2: That's eight hundred seven six oh, eighteen forty five.
3: You guys, it's Rick Tittle.
4: Right, thank you for that, and welcome to another live edition of Titillating Sports. How you doing? Are you all right? Are you listening to me on Sirius Two Seventeen? Are you listening to me on the radio? Are you listening to me on the American Forces Radio Network? As my voice will build and build and get bigger and bigger, and now I sound like Willy Wonka. The boat won't stop running and riding, and the waves get faster and faster. Sorry, it is live radio. Coming to you from downtown San Francisco, California. Here I sit in the very posh, luxurious studios of the Sports Byline USA Broadcast Network. We've got five microphone positions. We're down to two that work. And um, <laughs> swinging it around. You can see my uh, setup here, kind of, on Twitch.tv. <clears throat> if you'd like to uh, get in that way and see all that we have. 1-800-878-PLAY. We're very proud and privileged of being on the American Forces Radio Network as well. That's 500 outlets, 177 countries, ships at sea, uh, wherever you might happen to be. We love talking to you. We love all the things that you do in the military because you're the ones that keep us safe. You're the ones that uh, allow us uh, to do Uh, what we do here, and that's talk in my show about football, basketball, baseball, hockey, soccer, golf, tennis, auto racing, boxing, Olympics, quitter-troller ball, chess checkers, rugby cricket, that kind of stuff. We'll do it together at the toll-free line, 1-800-878-PLAY, 1-800-878-7529. Get you in and get you heard. Today, we're going to start off the show by talking to Leonardo Fuica for his new film, Camping Trip. We'll check in with Karen Lyle from the British Virgin Islands at 940. Also, sports writer Jeff Fletcher. will talk about his new Showy Otani book in the second hour. We got three hours. Come on back.
2: Do you need to get your hands on some extra money right now? Maybe $25,000 or more? If you're a homeowner, now is a perfect time to get cash out while homes in many neighborhoods like yours have gone up in value you can use the money for anything it's yours you can buy an investment property pay off higher interest debt or make home improvements if you need 25,000 50,000 or more now is the time home values are up and so is your equity we offer you a way to use it no need to use your savings Call New American Funding now and see how much cash out you can get. Call 800-209-6124. 800-209-6124. 800-209-6124. That's 800-209-6124. NMLS 6606. www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org This is not an offer or commitment to lend. Subject to borrower and property qualifications. Not all borrowers will qualify. Terms and conditions apply. Equal housing opportunity. Do you love driving, but you don't love your car payment? Open road lending can reduce your car payment by as much as $100 a month or more. It's easy to refinance your car payment. Just call today to get your no-obligation quote and find out how much you can save. To qualify for a lower car payment, your car should be less than 10 years old, have less than 125,000 miles, and you've made at least six on-time payments. Call Open Road Lending today to learn how you can lower your rate and your payment by refinancing. It's easy, only takes a few minutes, and there's no cost or obligation to apply and get approved. Call today and see how much you can save. 800-871-9417. 871 9417 That's 800-871-9417 Terms and conditions apply Financing is available with approved credit See OpenRoadLending.com for details
5: Titillating Sports with Rick Tittle Rick Tittle is a genius The best show ever He's so wonderful Genius The best show ever he's so wonderful titillating sports with rick tittle rick tittle is a he so handsome he's a genius
4: all right thank you for that welcome back to the show rick tittle with you coast to coast and around the world on the american forces radio network Sirius satellite you know all the deals we are here with filmmaker leonardo fuica And uh, he is here to talk about his new film, Camping Trip, which is going to be available on August 16th, digital download uh, as well. And, uh, Leonardo, first of all, FUICA, am I getting that right?
6: Yes, hey, how's it going, Rick? Yes, exactly, it's FUICA, exactly.
4: FUICA, Italiana, huh? Paisan?
6: No, it's uh, Spanish. All
4: right, well, at least I got it right, and then I got the wrong country. All right, anyway, I think the Leonardo fooled me. Um, This is is available from FUICA Film Pictures and 8Cube. So this is your own production company we're talking about here?
6: Yes, exactly. Um, I'm a filmmaker um, here based in Montreal. I've been doing movies since uh, I was like uh, 10 years old professionally. So we started in mostly French movies. And then after a time, I mean, we did the. I started going to California, doing English movies here and there. And yeah, I studied like seven years. And this is our first English movie.
4: So, what's it like coming over and doing a movie uh, in English? Was it, I mean, you're obviously bilingual, but what were some of the other challenges?
6: I mean, um, uh, for us. Personally, for me, I mean, it was super important because, I mean, first of all, I always been in love with uh, California, Los Angeles, and I think there's something always special, special when you're making uh, a movie here and there that is unique from California, Los Angeles, compared maybe to Canada where it's government funds. So uh, uh, and funny and funny enough, uh, when I was uh, when I started writing camping trips, I was in uh, L.A. and Van uh work on another project about uh, Paul River Williams until the 12th of March uh, uh, 2020 came and everything stopped. And, uh, yeah, so uh, I think that the most biggest challenge when the first wave came was all these restrictions that we had, uh, putting the cast on one side, the crew on another side, and all these guidelines that we have to follow with uh, temperature, you know, tests here and there. So, uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it, was, it was pretty challenging, I would say.
4: You know, I almost forgot they used to take our temperature. We went everywhere. I almost forgot about that. But isn't that kind of in the plot, right, that they want to go camping because they are locked down? Let's talk about these uh, two couples here.
6: Exactly, well, the idea came, uh, look, funny enough, the idea, the idea that, that I got making camping trip was because when I was in California, in Los Angeles, and the 12th of March came, and my production went to a stop, I went to this, uh, uh, the grocery store, Trader Joe's, it was, you know how it was the 12th of March, it was hell, uh, hell, like, they screws, I mean, fights, here and there, I remember coming out of the car and this woman saying, "Buy me hundred dollars of food." It was really completely bananas. <laughs> I know. And so uh, I, I went to I went to do a little bit of research of what I've got here and there around the world and the couples. Yeah, so it's two couples: uh, Enzo and Polly, and uh, uh, Alex uh, and Ace and um, Coco. So there are two couples or friends. And yeah, they did the first wave and then after they wanted like get out of everything and just want to go camping because of all the restrictions that we had, they want to have back with that sense of normality that I would say that everybody was looking at the first after the first wave. So, uh, I did a little bit of research and yeah, uh, there's a lot of things I think people, um, um, how do I say this? I mean, uh, couldn't do. Couldn't have Mm -hmm. and couldn't get uh, during those times. So, I mean, I went to do a lot of research see here and there. And and unfortunately, yeah, money. Money uh, was something very, 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 uh, uh, you know, people were looking at and consuming. And so, yeah, I think it's a all relationships during those times. I think it, it was a big hit hard for everybody, regardless if you're friends, couples even there I mean a lot of thinking about people you know um in my in the good couple there was a lot of breakups as, as you can see also covid did a lot of breakup in this this era
4: so yeah oh yes uh, no doubt so you act in this too so this is really your baby it's your production company you wrote it you directed it how are your acting skills
6: Look, yeah, um, I wrote it, directed. I don't always, uh, uh, write stuff so I can play in them. Uh, it depends always of, uh, I am modest if I see that I cannot be in, in the project. Okay. But I mean, if it fits good and because of COVID, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it was easier if I would play in it. And I've been acting since I was like 10 kind years old of professionally, like I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I'm pretty good. I mean, I've been acting all my <laughs> life. I don't know nothing else. I mean, I'm a really passionate. I would say passionate, creative. Uh, for me, the secret of passion and creativity, you cannot buy that.
4: You no doubt. So what was the other name? What was the name you got close to calling it? Because Camping Trip sounds kind of like... You know, it kind of catches you off guard because it kind of sounds like fun and innocent. What What were some of the other names you were thinking about?
6: Oh my God, we had so many other names for making that movie. I mean, uh, it's just that um, we had a, a COVID, something related to COVID. I don't remember again a lot of stuff, but I, we just thought that a lot of things about COVID people would get a, get a, uh, would have get set up here and there, and with championship. Because don't forget that if I had to like to give a similarity about this pro, uh, this movie to one of one of my great movies is Deliberance.
4: Okay. Yes. So you sure um, got a pretty mouth. Oh, exactly.
6: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I don't know why people and humans sometimes go on on the woods here and there and camping, and you get on these situations, pandemic situations, you get the Sometimes you go bananas, you go, you do stuff here and there. So we had COVID, we had uh, a virus, stuff there. But I mean, we said to ourselves that, you know what, uh, instead of having something like that, let's just go with something simple, camping trip. You know, it's going to go, they're going to a camping trip, That hey, far from COVID doesn't mean it's far from safe.
4: (laughs) Did you say squeal like a pig?
6: Yeah, clear like a pig.
4: <laughs> All right, so um, finally, um, you know, this is, this is a sinister movie. It's uh, scary. So how did you think up some of those new things to scare your audience?
6: I think uh, to scare my audience, uh, sometimes, I mean, I want to get to the simplicity of uh, sometimes normal things that I would say. Uh, sometimes in the most simplest things that you can get, you can it can be very scary. Uh, first, you can have like uh, don't forget that during this COVID thing, um, I wrote it in April two thousand twenty. So a lot of things didn't happen yet. <laughs> in fact, uh, I had a lot of uh, film festival directors that told me that uh, it, it looked like I had I I was covering all the aspects of COVID. And I said to them, oh my God, thank you so much. Because how could I have covered all aspects of COVID if it didn't happen yet? <laughs> because, like I said, I wrote it in 2020 and we shot it in, 2000, uh, in August
3: 2020.
6: Mm-hmm. So, uh, all the, the criminals, uh, the gr- greed, I would say, uh, all these situations, Gets your brain. Don't forget cabin fever too. I mean, I think this COVID I got these these psychological events in our heads that make you do stupid things, very stupid things, and that to do that that you, you can go up
7: to death. unfortunately
4: <laughs> No doubt about it. Everybody, make sure to uh, check out this movie as I mentioned, coming out on August sixteenth. It is called Camping Trip. It is with our friend here, Leonardo Fuica and uh, through his uh, production company and uh, also 8 Cube, he's written it, he's directed it, he's acted in it. Leonardo, congratulations on the film, especially a new one in the English language, and we'll catch up on your next one.
6: Hey, thank you very much. I just want to say thanks to Gravitas Ventura, uh, the U.S. Distri- distribution that, uh, that helps us. Uh, I mean, yeah, um, I, I just love to make movies and make stories.
4: Sounds good. All right, have a good one. That's the Leonardo Fuica, everybody. I'm Rick Tittle with some open lines on the other side. Come on back on Sports Byline USA.
2: That's 800-817-2968
9: Do you have Medicare and do you use a CPAP machine? This is a national health care alert regarding your CPAP supplies. Using a clean CPAP mask and clean supplies is important to staying healthy.
10: Where did you get those clothes? At the toilet store?
11: I'm so disgusted by Rick Tittle that I find him very intoxicating.
4: All right. Thank you for that. And uh, welcome back to the show. Coming up in the next segment, we'll check in in the BVIs uh, with uh, Karen Lyle from Salesporttalk.com. We'll also be speaking uh, in a little over an hour with Jeff Fletcher, who... First and foremost, I'm going to have to thank, he was my pregame guest many times when, when the A's played the Angels over the years when I was doing <clears throat> the, uh, the A's uh, pre- and post-game shows. 1-800-878-PLAY. one 800 Juan Soto is your 2022 Home Run Derby champion as we get ready for the real all-star game tonight battling out with rookie Julio Rodriguez and uh, 23 years old Soto is the uh, second youngest player ever to win. Uh, Bryce Harper was the youngest uh, ever. First Dominican since Robbie Cano back uh, 11 years ago. But, you know, there were a lot of surprises last night. Um, Ken Rodriguez, can you say he's a surprise? But, you know, beating back to back champion Pete Alonso in the second round. How about Albert Poolholz upsetting Kyle Schwarber? It's pretty amazing that I heard this thing when Albert Pulholz made his major league debut, that the other participants, the ages in the home run derby yesterday, Corey Seeger was eight. Um Kyle Schwarber was uh, also, eight. Pete Alonso, I think, was uh, six years old. Ronald Acuna Jr. Jun- uh, was uh, three years old. They said Julio Rodriguez was three months old <laughs> when Paul <Pouls laughs> made his debut. But Rodriguez beat Seeger thirty-two to twenty-four. Alonso beat Acuna by one, twenty to nineteen. Same thing with Soto over Ramirez. Anyway, Ramirez is like, I got so close. 18-17. to 17. And then Pujols also beat Schwarber by one in extra time. So Seeger was the only one who got clowned. And then Rodriguez beat Alonso, as I mentioned, 31-22. Soto beat Pujols by one again. And then Soto won by one in the final. All three rounds he won by one. And that's all it takes. But here's the thing. What's the thin rink? Well... We know Juan Soto rejected a 15-year, $440 million contract, and so the Nationals might be shopping him. And if you think back to a time where a young guy like this was traded, you'd have to go back to, like, Miggy Cabrera, who's two years older. He was 24, and he had already gone to five All-Star games uh, at the time. We'll get to that in a minute, but let's go to New York City where we got my man Charlie. What's going on, Charlie? Charlie.
7: Oh, Rick, what's going on, buddy? Um, I know you're talking about the home run derby. I wanted to actually talk about the All Star Game a little, but
4: specifically
7: the A's, if that's okay. Sure. A story came out that uh, our lone representative, Mister Blackburn, was going to fly commercial. Yes, <laughs> because the A's are so
4: cheap. Yes, <laughs> that he <laughs> that he's
7: now uh, going to wear, uh, I guess, an Astro hat <laughs> to fly
4: yeah for people um, to know the a's yeah. wrapped up the the first half in houston and paul blackburn was getting ready for his commercial flight and somehow that got out and the astros were like we have a charter do you just want to fly with us and he's like great and then paul blackburn said what an amazing organization the astros are
7: <laughs> i mean how how low can you go in terms of cheapness i i mean, it did the A's have, do they, will they respond to that? Will they release anything or will they just <laughs> pretend it didn't happen?
4: Do you remember it was about, I guess, 10 years ago? The A's were in Seattle and they were going on to their charter and Josh Reddick took a picture. It was the Giants' charter and it was. <laughs> <laughs> And it was—it's like, was just sort of like we're just going to take this one instead. And Josh Reddick is like, "Oh, this is great. We're getting on the Giants' plane. The A's will pinch a penny wherever they can."
7: Okay, I—I I, I mean, but I—I—I'm I, I, not—I'm surprised, but I'm not surprised. It was as a fan, it's just heartbreaking to read that, to mm-hmm. see that, and that, and then they—he releases how how great an organization they are. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, just sticking with the A's, not an all-star question, but your 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 best friend forever, Lee Trevino. Why is he on the team?
4: Because the A's don't care, so he's cheap, and he had a good rookie year, and that's all you got to that be. That's all you got to be. That
3: was like
7: five years ago. Yep. He's one and six with a seven <laughs> earn run average, a numerous blow. I don't I I, I I don't watch the games. I do look at the box scores. Right. Well, he, there. He, he is trash. He, he, he is human. I listen. I'm allowed to say it. I've been a fan longer than he's alive. Mm-hmm. He is trash. He shouldn't be on the team. So why? What is it? A money thing that they just don't want to eat his his contract or?
4: Yeah, he. It's they, just they. They just want players who are pre arb. I mean, why is Sky Bolt and Seth Brown on the team? Because they might close their eyes and hit a home run every ten games. You know, it's just—it's just really sad. they you think about it, your payroll is what fifty-three million. Would you would you drive a fifty-three million dollar hoopty, or would you throw another twenty into it or thirty and be respectable? But that's how they roll.
7: Yeah, and you had a good point yesterday. Since they have completely bottom out, they should trade uh, Murphy and bring up Langliers and 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 just maybe you think they can, can package. Uh, so they, what you're saying is there's zero chance of the A's landing Juan Soto.
4: <laughs> <laughs> he might come to the Bay, but not on my side. Um, you know, All right. I'll, I'll, let, let me just tell you yeah. this. Let, just for some good news. I talked to someone who knows the Pac-12 inside and out, and he raved about Susac at Arizona. He says that guy is a stallion. So um, let's bring up Langoliers and start shopping him uh, for two months. Okay. <laughs> Trade him.
3: Uh,
7: one last question about, okay, quick, uh, the guy they got from the Braves also, uh, Pache, Pache is it pronounced? Pache, yeah. Pache. He's, is he... What's your, I mean, I know he's back in the mind he struggled mightily, but is, is there potential in him? Is he, De- uh...
4: Defensively, he's a potential gold glover, but he can't hit. And the A's, I actually agreed with their thinking. They're like, look, we're going to play him in center field the whole year, but he couldn't even hit 200. And even the A's apparently were like, all right, we can't take it anymore. So if he doesn't learn how to hit, he doesn't have much of a future in this game.
7: So why can't they incorporate that same mindset with, with Trevino? <laughs> 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 if they can't take it anymore, uh, Anyway, I'll leave it on that note. All right, I'll All right. get back to the Home Run Derby. All right, anyway. thank you.
4: Yeah, so the Home Run Derby was run by Soto, but my as Charlie was just bringing up there, um, the A's won't get him. There's rumors that the Giants are trying to get him, and they'd have to give up their whole farm system, but why not? a guy who's on his way to the Hall of Fame, I would give you two farm systems. And it'd be like, oh, it'd be, um, you know, Luciano and Kyle Harrison and Matos and Will Bedner. We'd probably have to throw in Reggie Crawford, who we just drafted. I would say, who, 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 who? (laughs) Are you kidding? I'll never forget when I was on 95.7 when the Giants traded Tommy Joseph a catcher for Hunter Pence. And I was like, people like, the Giants are... Sabian is an idiot. Tommy... Uh, I'm like, are you kidding me? Do you see that Buster Posey is your catcher? And do you see how good Hunter Pence is? People fall so in love with prospects. You know, the Mets could have had Barry Zito if they would have traded Lasting's Millage. Lasting's Millage was untouchable. And Zito still had some good years left. I mean, it's just... It's so dumb. But, yes, the Giants would have to. But the the Giants need someone like this. Remember when Peter McGowan bought the team, he signed Barry Bonds to a contract that made the rest of baseball sick. But he's like, I'm just getting the best player. And then we're going to fix up candlestick. We're putting in a foghorn. We're putting in uh, real bleachers. We're putting in a tartan track. We're putting in real dugouts. When I was a bald dude, (laughs) before it was called that, the first year it happened, the dugouts, you just walked right in from field level. They didn't even go down a step. They were really a joke at that time. But Juan Soto to the Giants, that would completely change that franchise. And then they would be able to build around that guy for the next 10 years. But here's the thing. He's already got two more years of arbitration. Those two arbitration years will get him about twenty million per year. So what they're actually offering him is a thirteen-year, four hundred million dollar contract. And Scott Boris is saying we can get five hundred million. And not only can we get five hundred million, the learners are selling the team, and they don't even know who's coming in. Whether they're going to rebuild or it's going to if John Fisher's buying the team, but. Yeah, I would. Uh, if I was the Giants, I would give up my entire farm system and pick three guys on the current roster, too. All right, well, come on back. We'll check in with Karen Lyle.
12: This is Karen Lyle with Salesport Talk, talking to Walt Ranieri about adaptive sailing for blind sailors.
10: Any, any good coach, any good sailing coach is going to tell you, close your eyes and get a sense of where the boat is, how it's healing, where's the wind coming from. And in fact, a lot of sports, there are moments when you're going to close your eyes to just recenter mm-hmm. yourself, whether it's in between a play, in between a pitch, in something to just allow yourself to resettle. And for, for us blind sailors, it's all about sound, of course. We have audible buoys on the race course. And I mentally prepare a kind of digital map in my brain as to where I am on the course, listening to the buoys, identify with some mental triangulation that I'm on the right side or the left side. And, of course, with match racing, it's kind of like one-on-one. So I need to know where that other boat is, too, because it's trying to make my life miserable.
12: So, Walt, you have three people in your team.
3: Is that correct?
10: Yeah. So uh, the blind match racing, there's three blind people on board. No one sighted. And the first time I say this to people, they're like, what? No one's on Yep, no one's sided on board. And so we navigate around the course uh, by listening to where the port, which is the left side, the starboard, which is the right side, and the windward, which is the upwind buoy. They each make unique sounds. And by virtue of, see, I'm a little bit closer to the starboard one. I'm farther from the port one. And, oh, I'm below the line or I'm above the line. And then each boat has a sound emitter that says... That I'm on port tack, or I'm leaning to the right, or I'm on starboard tack, I'm leaning to the left. And so I know what the other boat's doing, they know what I'm doing. And sometimes it's a little bit of controlled chaos. Two boats are going right at one another, and there's blind people on board, and they can't see. And uh, those sound indicators really help out to identify who needs to keep out of the way and when. So there are no real adaptations. For blind sailing, other than the audible marks, you're not tethered. You're on the boat. I do wear a helmet. I'm at the back of the boat, and sometimes the boom swings across. I think that's why they call it the boom. And uh, when I've had, I've been—it's called a head strike. I've had a few of those, and I've been very grateful that I've been wearing a helmet. So, for all of you uh, sports enthusiasts out there, you're familiar with those—you know—those moments when things don't go exactly right. And uh, it's good to have the right equipment around. And for sailing, it's pretty minimal. Gloves, because you don't want your hands all ripped up with the lines mm. and uh, something on your head so you don't get whacked. Now, a, a, a lot of your listeners, you, you, you don't prepare every day for the worst thing that can happen, but sometimes it does. And the most important thing you need is an adaptive mindset to move forward. Because without it, you know, you're going to get stuck. And it's all about mo- as human beings to stay relevant, to stay connected on the planet Earth without the human being. You got to keep moving forward.
4: All right. Thank you for that. It is Tuesday at 940 out here in San Francisco. That's time we check in with Karen Lyle from SailSportsTalk.com. And uh, last Tuesday, Karen was just getting underway with her adventures in the British Virgin Islands and uh, on a catamaran uh, sailing from uh, Tortola to the Bight at Norman Island. Uh, Karen, uh, tell us a little bit more about uh, what you've been up to the last seven days.
12: At the moment, so um, we left um, we left Tortola about an hour ago, and we have we're, we're traveling southeast across the St. Francis Great Channel, and we are headed actually to the Indians, which is very close to Norman Island's Bight. Um, the Indians are a group of rocks that uh, jet up from the water and they're some really great dive and snorkel spots. Um, really interesting. is maybe about. 90 feet deep and you have you can actually see all the way to the bottom and there's a lot of stuff at at, at the top so that you can see if you're only snorkeling and so we're um, we have maybe about 10 10 to 15 knots of wind which is just perfect and maybe 1 to 2 foot 12 and I stepped off the helm to come talk to you Rick
4: well uh, you're going to snorkel too did I hear that right
12: yeah, with, as soon as the show, the sh- actually while we're talking, uh, this particular um, trip, we had two trips, 10 days each, and this one is the first of the, the second set of 10, 10 days, and so this group, I uh, have two other sailors on board, which is Michael and I, so I can actually talk to you while they're going to catch the mooring um, and tie the boat up, and then as soon as I get off the line with you, I'm actually donning my snorkel gear and going snorkeling.
4: Wow. You said catch the moorings. I almost said catch the morays, like moray eels. Got to be...
12: <laughs> well, those we actually don't want to catch. There <laughs> <laughs> you go. They're far better than wa- Did you know that I saw a turtle eating a jellyfish?
4: Oh, my gosh.
12: I did not know that turtles ate jellyfish. It was, you know, you learn new things every time.
4: Wow. Yeah, The uh, there's no laws in nature. Uh, it'll get you. Um <laughs>
12: And this turtle only had three flippers. It was missing one of its flippers. So um, you know, usually they're really fast and when I see them they'll die. But this one stayed around and actually watched me and I had my camera so I got it on camera uh, video and I was watching it turn around and I thought, you yeah, know, it's kinda of paddling, a little bit funny and I realized that it had, you know, I don't know, maybe a, a shark or a barracuda came and get off one of those and, you know, maybe it got caught in a rock, you know, uh, uh, in in one of the the reefs when the the waves were washed you know, kicking it against the rocks or something. I'm not sure what happened to
3: it.
4: You're a, um, uh, I once saw a homeless guy eat a barn owl. I don't know if that counts the same. Uh, but give us a little a bit. A homeless
12: guy, he, he, he did what with a barn owl? He ate it. Really?
4: Yeah, no, I don't know. Uh, can you give us some more <laughs> sights and sounds and smells? I mean, uh, we're on the radio, but can you paint that picture of blue skies oh, and blue waves? Well,
12: right now, right now, I'm looking at I'm I'm look, I'm in the cabin so that you don't get too much wind and you can hear me. And um, so this is a catamaran, so it's pretty wide. I'd say it's about thirty-five feet wide. You've got two um, two hulls that are side by side, separated by like a. Um, a cabin and in and the, in, in, and then there's um, there's like a trampoline up in the front, you know, just between the two holes that you can stand on and walk across. And so I am looking out the the window at the the waves. And oh, I'll tell you, it's so pretty the way the sun just comes on the wave. And you see the shadow at the bottom part of the wave, and the, the, and all the, the top sparkle. And because usually what happens is when you get white caps, you know that's at least ten knots of wind. Uh, you have white caps that are kind of sparse, which means they're, they're not really close together and they're not high. It's you know, 10 to 13 knots, and that's what we have right now. And that's so pleasant because the boat is even. Uh, a land doesn't feel, um, feel by, you know, like it's has on the side as much as a monohull does, so it's much more level experience. You could actually hold your gin and be able to drink it, you know, <laughs> <laughs> or beer or whatever it is you prefer.
13: <laughs> <laughs>
12: and... um and the wind—it's maybe about 80 degrees outside, but the wind, because you've got this 13 knots of wind, if you're out in the wind, oh, it just feels so good to have that wind on your face and you know, cooling off your body. And and when we when we come to these mooring balls, so right now we're coming up to one, two, three, four, five, six, seven catamarans around the Indians. So there's some snorkelers out there. And we're going to look for a mooring ball. And this is a national park area, which means that nobody can stay on that mooring for more than 90 minutes. And um, it takes about, I'd say about an hour to swim around the rocks and get getting all the sights. So um, we will get closer to the mooring ball and go right into the wind so the wind can kind of act as a break and uh, Michael captains at the helm and he'll see He'll, he'll bring it with enough speed so he can catch the mooring ball. And then there's two or three people up in the front, and they thread ropes through there, and it makes kind of a bridle. And you tie it off, and then it just holds the boat on the mooring ball, and then it kind of swings in a, in a little slow arc um, with the wind to the head of the boat. And then it, you know you're just it's, it's better than an anchoring, actually, because you know it's all secure. Right. That painting—a t- t- little bit of a picture.
4: Yes, a couple more questions for Karen Lyle, live in the British Islands on a catamaran, getting ready to snorkel as we speak, and getting ready to eat jellyfish with sea turtles. Um, have you, for five minutes, been homesick, or do you n- not even think about home?
12: I—I'm not homesick. No, I'm—I'm a hundred percent here. You have—if you're living on a boat, you're—you're—you're you're, um, you're engaged you're engaged in the moment and, and uh you know, you, you you go to bed shortly after the sunset and get up when the sun rises. Um, by the way, we saw I we found a new wreck. It was a seventy foot um, catch, which means that it has two masts in Trellis Bay last week. So what happened was during Hurricane Irma, Trellis Bay is over on Beef Island and all of the all of the um, charter companies and people who on boats will put, if they know a hurricane's coming through, they put their boats in Trellis Bay because it's kind of a protected area. But as you know, that Hurricane Emma was, like, off the charts as far as how high the winds were um, back in 2017. And so when that hurricane actually hit Trellis Bay, there were hundreds of boats that were piled on top of each other. They were, you know... Um, you know, up on the shore they were found in the in the in the water and some of them even you know ended up on other islands because the wind just pick them up and carried them and so they cleared out a lot of that but we were snorkeling in the bay and there you know all of a sudden the snorking is a little bit murky in that in that particular um, marina and all of a sudden there's this mass, and you're looking oh my gosh there's a freaking ship right underneath us and look there's a moray eel and a Lionfish down there, and <laughs> so it's pretty cool when you run across the wreck because it's a new reef and uh, the sea life is completely taking it over.
4: So now, are you spending the night on the boat, eating on the boat, or do you go to port every night and stay in a nice hotel?
12: No, no, we're we're sleeping on the boat, so it's it's like it's it's like glamping. We're we're camping. We have a propane stove. Um, the provisions last night, um, we happen to be, like to eat eat at the restaurant. So about six nights out of these ten, we'll go on to a different island every night and have, have food at a restaurant and let them serve us. But, um, the breakfast and lunch and, and three of the dinners we're going to fix ourselves on the boat. And of course, we've got our, our bar well stocked. You know, we've got our painkillers and, you know, um, you know, all of the other cocktail. And beer concoctions that the rest of, rest of the folks like know, they get a good, good liquor shopping.
4: All right, I'm going to talk turkey here for a second. We know you're a good company, but what do you bring into the table as far as a crew mate? What are you doing to uh, get that thing going around the islands, Karen?
12: Well, I'm I'm serving two roles. So on on the books, I'm the captain in the sense that I'm chartering the boat. I'm responsible for it. It's my buck you know, if something goes wrong with this boat, you know, it's my insurance, it's my, um, you know, my deposit, and so forth. Um, been out there, been doing that nine years in a row, and haven't had any accidents or any problems with the boat, because I have a very careful captain, who's also the head of the sailing school, sailing portal, which you've heard about, that, that we're running out of Berkeley. And so, um, so when the boat is underway, she's the captain, of the boat, and he's in charge of the plan, and I am the first mate, which means that I am the person who is responsible for the people and making sure that they all know their roles and handling, you know, like like even provisioning, deciding who's going to be in charge of where the food goes, so that so that there's you know kind of a peaceful process and everybody just gets along really well and and so forth. So also, I'm demonstrating all the skills. So today, when we were setting sail, I was at the helm, and I was keeping the boat into the wind, and and the captain was up in the front, jumping the line, and we were getting the sail up as we go into the wind, because it's kind of tricky getting the lazy jack, past the lazy jack, without getting the batons caught on it. And, and, you know, so I'll demonstrate, because this is the first time that this crew has seen this boat, so I demonstrate the skills, uh, the captain and I, and then I'm going to kind of turn over some of those jobs to the other sailors who want to have some time doing it. You know, and that'd be good for me, I'll sit back with my um, my and be on call and stepping if I need to.
4: Very cool. Last we question for we, we,
12: usually don't, we usually don't drink underway. We sail for a couple hours to New Island, get on the morning, and that's when we get out the drinks.
4: Very good. Last question for you. You guys found a shipwreck? Was this just something that was the first time it was ever discovered?
12: Uh no, because because of the if you hear some noise up there, that's the sail coming down right now. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of rigging noise because we're sailing into the wind, and the and the, the sail the main is being dropped. So all the lines are flopping, and it's it's, it's making some noise. But um, you're going to have to ask your question one more time, Rick, because of the. You the you noise. found
5: a shipwreck.
12: Yes, and it, but it was a predictable one because I knew that the shipwreck was there because of the because of the uh, hurricane.
3: All right. Well, but
12: wh- I didn't I didn't know I didn't know I mean, once we saw it, we could figure out how it got there. But I have found I found another shipwreck in Sopers Hole about three or four years ago and I don't know whether it was I don't think it was storm related. I think it was just um, an owner who who did something wrong and sank the ship.
4: All right. Well, listen, uh, so what are you going to call us again from down there next week or are you heading back?
12: No, yeah, yeah, I should be still out. I'm not coming back till the, uh, the 30th of July. So.
4: All right. Uh, Karen Lyle, salesporttalk.com for more about her trip in the British Virgin Islands. Have a great time. Sounds like you are.
12: Okay, thanks, Rick. <laughs> all
4: Thank right. I'm, we're all jelly back here. I'm Rick Tittle. It's freezing in San Francisco. Come on back on byline.
11: I wish you would try and slap Rick Tittle's mama's face. He would clown you.
4: All right. Uh, thank you for that. And uh, by the way, uh, just an email here from Scott, rick at com. I was mentioning what the Giants would have to give up to uh, get Soto, which is basically all their top prospects, and then pick whoever else you want off the roster. He said it's not enough. And I hear you. You know? But it's just a matter of whether they want to cash in now or keep them from for two more years. When the um, the fish traded uh, Miggy to Detroit, remember they also threw in Dontrell Willis, and that was for Cameron Maben, Andrew Miller, Mike Ribello, and then the minor leaguers were Frankie Dela Cruz, Dallas Treyhern, and Burke Badenhop. Now, at the time, Maben was a top-ten prospect, and Andrew Miller, the pitcher, was also a top-ten prospect. A lot of people were like, whoa, the Marlins did great. Now they didn't, and Cabrera, uh, I was there when he was popping champagne in Oakland when they won their first Central Division. He took the Tigers to the World Series where they were swept by the Giants, but... You know this is a career 313 uh, hitter and you're almost always better off getting the established star you know the Seahawks you can have this top pick well we're an expansion team we're going to trade all um, we're going to trade the top pick for all these guys on the Cowboys and the Cowboys draft Tony Dorsett and then with the Vikings we'll give you Herschel Walker I and mean, it's just It almost never works out. Ollie Matson. now that wasn't picks, but that was at 11 guys for one guy. Nine times out of 10, yes, I'm saying it 90% of the time, the established star is usually the better trade. And so, um, you know, if Luciano goes on to the Hall of Fame, that's great. He'll go in the same class as Juan Soto, and then you won't feel so bad. (laughs) All right. Uh, we got in two hours. I'm switching over to the other studio. Wish me luck.
8: USA Radio
15: News with Lance Pride. With Maryland Governor Larry Hogan term limited, the contest to replace him has drawn the attention of former President Trump, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, even Oprah Winfrey is weighing in. Voters on Tuesday will choose nominees in statewide legislative and congressional races, also the pivotal governor's race. Hogan has endorsed former Labor and Commerce Secretary Kelly Schultz. Trump is back state legislator Dan Cox.
5: My campaign is to restore freedom to the free state. What's so wrong about that? Nothing.
15: Former Deputy National Security Advisor Matthew Pottinger will testify in person during Thursday's made-for-TV, mostly-partisan January 6 hearing. A judge in West Virginia has blocked authorities in the U.S. state from enforcing an abortion ban. A Kanawha County Circuit Court Judge Tara Salingo granted the Women's Health Center of West Virginia a preliminary injunction against the ban on Monday. USA Radio News.
16: Wendy Bell here for my friends at Swiss America. Did you know the U.S. Constitution authorizes only two forms of legitimate money, gold and silver? That's right. But our government abandoned gold and silver a half century ago. Meanwhile, gold and silver prices have rocketed in recent years due to growing economic uncertainty. So, to help my listeners, Swiss America has a very special offer today. Silver Walking Liberty Half Dollars at the amazingly low price of $12.50 each delivered. You heard me right. $12.50. Call now to reserve your silver coins at 800 630 three4 1490. That's 800-630-1490. Silver Walking Liberty Half Dollars for just $12.50 each delivered while supplies last. Put a silver lining in your financial portfolio now by calling 800-630-1490. 800-630-1490.
15: Iran has no respect for President Biden, snubbing him as they continue to develop their first nuclear bomb.
17: Iran can build a nuclear bomb if it wants. That's what a senior advisor to the Supreme Leader told Al Jazeera on Sunday. This as the Biden administration has been trying to work with Iran on an agreement to restrict Iran's nuclear program in exchange for sanctions relief. Officials say the deal is basically finished.
18: It's up to uh, Iran to see whether they're going to take it or not. We're going to continue to make sure we have the capability and the capacity in the region, military and otherwise, to deal with their destabilizing activities.
17: National Security Council Coordinator John Kirby speaking there on Fox News. From the USA Radio News Phoenix Bureau, I'm Tim Berg.
15: After nearly destroying last season's All-Star game based on fake election laws in Georgia, Major League Baseball is hoping you'll watch tonight's All-Star game at Dodger Stadium in Los Angeles, California. USA Radio News. Senator Joe Manchin, the Democrat from West Virginia, has blocked a push by the Biden administration and Democrats for another trillion-dollar spending bill that will make inflation even worse. Senator Marsha Blackburn applauds Manchin's stance on Newsmax.
20: Biden just cannot spend enough money. He continues to push. What he is trying to spend now he spent four trillion dollars on covid and he's wanting to add another trillion to it and rob every economist around says the spending needs to stop because it along with energy are the primary drivers of inflation. Well, we know that it is not a good idea. We know that this is going to continue to drive up inflation. People that I talk with say 9.1%. They're not looking at the things we spend our money on. When you go to the grocery store, when you go to fill up the tank, you have your prices through the roof.
15: Former Vice President Mike Pence is backing Karen Taylor Robson in Arizona's Republican gubernatorial primary. Going against former President Trump's endorsement, Pence is expected to campaign with Robson, a housing developer, on Friday. And that's the same day that Trump is set to hold a rally for former TV news anchor Carrie Lake and her Arizona gubernatorial run. The winner of the August 2nd Republican primary will likely become the state's next governor. Lance Pry, USA Radio News.
4: Thank you for that, and welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. You know, we've been talking a lot about Juan Soto, what a fantastic player he is. There's one thing that's always bugged me, and I've brought it up over and over again, is the fact that the World Baseball Classic, that we don't always have our best players. They didn't take it seriously. And when there was a game several years ago in Arizona... And Mike Trout was sitting right behind home plate eating popcorn, laughing it up. And I thought, why is our best American player just looking at this thing as a lark? Well, he announced on social media that he is going to participate next year and be the captain. Thank you for that. Now, getting back to Soto, the GM, Mike Rizzo, emphatically said a couple months ago that they are not trading Juan Soto, he said, we made it clear to Scott Boris. We made it clear to the player. We're going to build the team around him. Well, last year, the Nationals lost 97 games. They're actually worse than the A's. (laughs) I don't know how that's possible. And so Soto was asked about it, these rumors. He said, a couple weeks ago, they were saying they will never trade me. And now all these things come out. It feels really uncomfortable. You don't know what to trust. At the end of the day, it's out of my hands what decision they make. As I said, he just turned well, he just turned 23, and he's hitting 240, 79 walks, and this is, can be considered a down uh, season uh, for him. But given how young he is and how long he remains under team control, Every team in baseball, except the A's, will check in on what it would take to get Soto. And uh, the Nationals, I don't know, do you cash in? The answer is no. You'll never live it down if you trade Juan Soto. I mean, at least get another couple years out of him, trade him at the deadline when he refuses to sign the extension. That's what I would do. I'm in charge of everything. All right, we have open lines. 1-800-878-PLAY. Come on back.
22: Something you know for the things you don't know. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations.
18: Here's a great way to save money on your prescription medications. If you take Viagra or Cialis, we can give you a way to pay as little as $2 a pill.
2: Do you need to get your hands on some extra money right now? Maybe $25,000 or more? If you're a homeowner, now is a perfect time to get cash out while homes in many neighborhoods like yours have gone up in value. You can use the money for anything. It's yours. You can buy an investment property, pay off higher interest debt, or make home improvements. If you need $25,000, $50,000, or more, now is the time. Home values are up, and so is your equity. We offer you a way to use it. No need to use your savings. Call New American Funding now and see how much cash out you can get. Call 800-209-6124. 800-209-6124. 800-209-6124. That's 800-209-6124. NMLS 6606. www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. This is not an offer or commitment to lend. Subject to borrower and property qualifications. Not all borrowers will qualify. Terms and conditions apply. Equal housing opportunity.
1: Staples has everything for school at great prices. So this year you won't go back to school. You'll be ready to move forward and build that paper mache volcano.
16: I am not cleaning this up. Ooh,
1: yeah, I meant the kids. Staples will help them move forward. Right now, Crayola 10-count markers and 12-count colored pencils are just 99 cents each. And Staples' one-subject notebooks are only 35 cents. Everything on your list at amazing prices. Staples, we're not going back. We're going forward to school. And Zay 27
15: in-store only limit 30.
0: Check out Channel 9. Check
4: out Rick Tittle. <laughs> Check me out. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with ya. One, a- with ya. I sound like uh, Dana Garvey doing George Bush HW with ya. Not going uh, All right. 1-800-878-PLAY. Come on in and get heard. What you got? What you get? We are here for you. The All-Star Game, the Midsummer Classic, as I was mentioning yesterday, the only All-Star Game that's real. <clears throat> and I've been fortunate in my career to go to, and as a fan as well, to go to every All-Star Game outside of a Pro Bowl. Even been um, NBA when it was in Oakland, the All-Star Game, uh, baseball when it was here in San Francisco, and um I went to the MLS All-Star Game and I went to the NHL All-Star Game when it was in San Jose, San Jose, San Jose, San Jose, San Jose. Anyway. Um the cool thing is is um I get to root for Shohei Otani. Uh <laughs> I got to root for Ichiro and um I remember that I was at the game in San Francisco. <clears throat> And that was a game that was started by an ace pitcher, Danny Heron. The starting pitcher for the National League uh, was a Milwaukee brewer by the name of Ben Sheets, uh, by the way. And uh, who would later go on to pitch for the A's. But when Shoyo, when, when Ichiro hit that inside the park home run, I was jumping up and down because I'm an American League guy. Well, at least when it comes to the All-Star game. And, um, you know, I'm a DH guy. Now everybody has it. But I uh, was thinking, is that the first inside the park home run in All-Star Game history? Uh, And it was. And it was just, it's, you know, I hate the Angels. Not just hate. And not just hate, but (laughs) hate the Angels. And so, but it's fun to root for Shohei Otani who will never go to the playoffs unless he goes to a different team. You chose incorrectly, Mr. Anderson. Uh, The American League has won eight all-star games in a row. And that's, I think, a little more coincidence than anything else. But you can ride the wave. Both teams are loaded. It's really difficult to earnestly break down these entire teams' Um, I know Tim Anderson said he's really excited to get an at-bat because he didn't last year. <clears throat> remember the year pennant-winning managers do the All-Star game the next year? That's why Tony La Russa had Bo Jackson hit leadoff against Rick Rushel at Angel Stadium, and he had a home run up onto the tarp. You remember that? Oh, yeah. But to me, my biggest All-Star frustration moment of all time was when Kensuke uh, was a rookie, and that guy is my favorite player of all time. He put my team back on the map after so many horrifying years, kind of like what we're going through right now. By the way, I saw something that said Mark Kotze, the favorite manager to get fired. <laughs> That's just someone looking at the standings and going, well, this guy's not getting it done. Firing, <laughs> firing Mark Kotze... <clears throat> Uh, makes zero sense because you could have Connie Mack uh, in charge of that A's team uh, or pick any other uh, manager you want and there's no way they would be able to do anything more than what they're doing now. I mean, they went into the break winning a series at Houston. Oh, that second half momentum. But um, my most frustrating moment was when Kenseco was a rookie, and Dick Hauser, because the Royals won the World Series in 85, he was the manager, and Jesse Barfield, I always want to say it's his fifth at bat, I think it was his third at bat, but whatever it was, he was getting multiple at bats in the ninth, and Kenseko was in the on-deck circle, and he didn't get to hit, and I thought Dick Hauser was an idiot, then not too much longer after that, unfortunately for Dick Hauser, he died of a brain tumor. The other thing to keep in mind, too, I kept saying Soto won every round by one, like the skin of his teeth. Once he hit more than the other guy, he stopped hitting. It's not like, whoa, I went first, and then this guy missed it by one. But last year, the game was at Coors Field, and the final score was 5-2. to I hope you took the under. And then, of course... One before that in Cleveland, the score was four to three, and before that it was two to one in ten innings, and before that it was four to two. That means the pitchers are just so ridiculously good nowadays, and starting pitchers will have short outings, meaning that they're really gonna uh, be effective. They can go all out, and you only get to see them one time. And these relievers are all lights out guys who rarely ever allow runs. That means somebody has to just put the screws into one and hit it out, and you can be the MVP. <clears throat> when they had the All-Star Game in um, Cleveland, the all, the MVP was Terry Steinbach of the A's because he hit a home run off Doc Gooden, and and that was enough. Now, there's also a thing around here. I don't know if you still believe in this, Dominic, but that Giants always suck in All-Star Games. Do you still believe in that? Okay. That was... That was more, uh, yeah. I think Pablo Sandoval kind of ended all that. But that was more my era. The Atley Hammaker giving up Fred Lynn's grand slam, still the only one. Sean Estes serving up home runs. Um, Rick Russell. The list goes <laughs> goes on and on of guys who stunk. But <clears throat> right now, if you think about who will be the MVP of the game. Just look at Julio Rodriguez. And by the way, I like I said, I grew up with two guys named Julio Rodriguez. I just love the fact that you know it's almost like being like you know having the name Pete Johnson, but he's anything but normal or average. The Mariners have won 14 straight games, and Julio Rodriguez should be the biggest story in baseball. But he plays for a team that's way up in the middle of nowhere.
15: Rick Seattle's great
4: and a team that has never won a pennant. And, in fact, their drought is 10 years longer than anyone else in all of baseball for playoffs. So he's going to be Rookie of the Year, uh, barring anything weird. He put on a show during the Home Run Derby, getting all the way to the finals, beating Pete Alonso, as I predicted. So this guy um, is one of the best bets uh, for uh, MVP. Right now, and of course Albert Pujols is there as well. And do you remember 1999? That was the year the the Sopranos debuted, and uh, baseball was still in the PED era. Uh, McGuire had 60 home runs. Sammy Sosa had 60s. And St. Louis Cardinals drafted a kid in the 13th round called Jose Alberto Pujols. And Jose Alberto Pujols is Albert Pujols, and he is the machine, and he's in his 22nd season, and he's at his 11th All-Star game on an honorary basis. Showed up big time by beating Schwarber, the the first seed, number one seed. And it was a really special moment. The players gathered around him kind of like Ted Williams in the wheelchair. Remember that? Tony Gwynn and some of the other players came out and just went over just to touch him. Pujols has not been an all-star for seven years. And so, you know, I think it's a nice gesture. He got honored. I mentioned Cabrera as well. But Pujols is all over the all-time leaderboards. He's 12th in runs scored. He's 10th in hits. He should retire right now because he's 3,333 hits. He's third in total bases. He's third in extra base hits. He's 11th in times on base. He's fifth in doubles, and he's fifth in home runs. The only two players that have more RBI than him are Hank Aaron and Babe Ruth. (laughs) I'm going to go on a limb and say he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. All right, I'm Rick Tittle. Lines are available. 1-800-878-PLAY. Come on back, y'all.
1: In some cases, they have reduced a $50,000 tax bill to less than 1000 If you owe the IRS 5000 or more in back taxes, call now for a free consultation. Call 800-732-9635. 800-732-9635. 800-732-9635.
2: That's
8: 800-732-9635. I am a non-attorney spokesperson representing a team of lawyers who've helped people that have been injured or wronged. If you've had a revision or removal surgery of a hernia mesh implant after 2008, pay close attention to this message.
2: That's 800-817-2968. Do you love driving, but you don't love your car payment? Open road lending can reduce your car payment by as much as $100 a month or more. It's easy to refinance your car payment. Just call today to get your no-obligation quote and find out how much you can save. To qualify for a lower car payment, your car should be less than 10 years old, have less than 125,000 miles, and you've made at least six on-time payments. Call Open Road Lending today to learn how you can lower your rate and your payment by refinancing.
4: Uh, i joined the army because my father and my brother were in the
9: army i thought i'd better join before i got drafted
14: son uh, there ain't no draft no more
9: there was one
11: Tittle always goes commando. All
4: right. Thank you for that. And uh, welcome back to the uh, show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast and around the world on American Forces Radio Network. Coming up in the uh, next segment, we will check in with uh, Jeff Fletcher, who will talk about Showtime. That is uh, Shoei uh, Otani. And, uh, of course, uh, you might have heard of him. <laughs> uh, he's a uh, Angels beat writer. He used to write. Um, he covered the giants he covered the a's uh, as well <clears throat> and so um it's uh well this is the other thing too that i'm going to have to ask uh jeff about uh as well as when i think about the japanese media and how they covered uh godzilla and uh godzilla um if you think about uh, all that uh, he did back in the day the Japanese media, I, I felt sorry for them because they I've never seen people look so bored in my life. Well, Tittle, you should look at people who listen to your show. Young, yung, yung. I beat you to it. <clears throat> the uh, draft, the uh, rounds 11 through 20 are uh, concluding today in uh, Major League Baseball. And uh, you can get Uh, the analysis, and, you know, it's funny, I was reading, oh my gosh, the Mets had a great haul. I don't really think it's a haul when everyone's drafting uh, at the same time. But what's interesting, if you look at today's all-star game rosters, today's rosters, there are eight players that were taken after the 10th round. And I'm not even talking about pool holes because he got in for free in the 13th round. But Jock Peterson was an 11th round pick out of Pally High. Jeff McNeil, 12th. Josh Hader, who had the worst game of just about anyone's life the other night in San Francisco. <laughs> he came, comes in. Home run, home run, grand slam. Have a nice all-star break. <clears throat> he was a 19th round pick. J.D. Martinez was 20th. Joe Mantiply was 27th. Ty France, 34th. David Bednar, 35th. And Nestor, don't call him the Molester Cortez, 36th round. That Ty France reminds me, when Bruce Bochy was being introduced at a dinner one time, (laughs) uh, what the guy wanted to say was, the only major league baseball manager who was born in France, you know, he was Bruce Bouchy. And he said, Now, ladies and gentlemen, I want to introduce you to the only man who's ever been born in France. Is <laughs> it really? Bruce Bouchy is the only man who's ever been available <clears throat> in France. Uh, so here's the thing. Uh to be a savvy baseball draft guy, I'm thinking of Jonathan Mayo, you know, the bald dude. He always seems to know what he's talking about. You just throw out a name and he can tell you the high school or whatever. But today, if you look at some of the people who are still available, dare I mention Tristan Smith from Boiling Springs High School, South Carolina, Malcolm Moore, McClatchy High School, California, Gavin Guidry, a shortstop from Louisiana. Tell me he's not the Louisiana Lightning's son, Ron Guidry. Ron Guidry, ring a bell with you, Dominic? Yeah. He was a skinny guy on the Yankees, but could absolutely deal on the mound. Bradley Neal, Sam Horn, Bradley Lofton. There's a guy from Sierra Canyon High School here in California named Jaden Newt. It's N-O-O-T, N-O-O-T, N-O-O-T. That's a Dutch name. It's Nault, which means north. Jalen Flores, uh, Jordan Taylor, and Cam Smith. These are all high school players that are available. Now, the system, of course, gives each team a certain amount of money to spend in the top 10 rounds. And that's a pool based on slot values for each selection. But here's the thing. Everybody picked after the 10th round, teams can spend up to $125,000 per player. Uh, next year, it'll be 150000 These were all things that were negotiated in the last collective bargaining agreement. Remember the holdout? Um, <clears throat> and this um, doesn't um, count against the pool. So now that we're through 10 rounds, we'll go with 11 through 20 teams have figured out that they might have some extra bonus pool money to go after some of those players. Like we were talking about how the Rangers got Kumar Rocker for 5.2 mil when that slot is 7.5 mil. And I'm sure Rocker on the one hand kind of feels that's kind of lame. I'm not getting the slot money, but he also is like, now I'm finally a multimillionaire and i um, going to get fast-tracked in the major leagues, so I can't cry about it. I should have seven. I have five. Let's talk about what I have instead of what I don't. <laughs> Let's do that. <clears throat> but as I said, <clears throat> um, the Mets, the Mets, they drafted Kamara Rock uh, last year. The Rangers now have two extra million dollars to throw in, which could convince a kid not to take that scholarship. I always think it's interesting, especially when the draft was 50 rounds and then 40 rounds and then the last couple of years, just 20. But when you had the fortieth round pick who had a full ride to you know u s c and he decided to go for it for a thousand dollars signing bonus, and it's like, no, no, go your u s c scholarship is going to be worth over a hundred thousand. Go do that now, if you think about top players taken outside of the tenth round um there are uh, our Hall of Famers. Andre Dawson was an 11th round pick, 1975. Ryan Sandberg was a 20th round pick. Jim Tomey 13th. I mentioned Puhlholz, also 13th. Um, you look at an MVP like Canseco, 15th round pick. Jeff Kent, 20th at a Cal, another MVP. Uh, MVP Don Mattingly, Donnie Baseball, nineteenth round pick, and the Cobra Dave Parker, former MVP, fourteenth round pick in nineteen seventy, and there have been two Cy Young Award winners who were taken outside the tenth round. That's Oral Huhterer, also known as Oral Hershiser, seventeenth round, and Brett Saberhagen at a Receda High School, nineteenth round pick, nineteen eighty-two. And he's only a year older than me. <clears throat> um, and and by the way, an Oral Hershiser note. They're going ah, the bulldog. Look what he's doing against the A's. What a fantastic playoffs! I hate Oral Hershiser. But when you think about a guy you hate coming to your team, I just think as a Giants fan, when Oral Hershiser was on the Giants, didn't that make you sick to your stomach? Like way worse than. Jock Peterson or some of these other guys. I think if you're my Oral Hershiser on the Giants was absolutely brutal. But <clears throat> now as I said I am naming how many guys did I say there that are in the Hall of Fame or Cy Young Award winners less than 10 guys against thousands and thousands and thousands. There's really nothing um that i mean you can use any math equation and the law of average would probably tell you it's like well out of these tens of thousands of players drafted in these late rounds of course there's going to be some hall of famers in there of course it's going to be there uh at some point so <clears throat> i think it's uh it's always a good story and as i say i live vicariously through everybody here the uh one of our employees here at Sports Byline, his son was drafted by the St. Louis Cardinals a couple of years ago. I mean, that's an absolute thrill. And remember, I'm a guy who brags about playing Division Two football. Can you imagine how much I would brag if I got drafted by a major league team? I probably would mention it once an hour. <laughs> Well, you know, as somebody who got drafted by the St. Louis Cardinals, one of the greatest organizations in the history of sports, the all-time leader of uh World Series titles from the National League, I can tell you the way you throw a curveball is you know, blah 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 blah. Yeah, it would be pretty insufferable. Uh and and I realize that Division 2 football is not something you really brag about, but I mention it now and then. Eh. Talked to a guy yesterday who played Division Three, and I thought, aha, I was better than you. And he goes, yeah, but I got signed by the New York Giants. I'm like, never mind. <laughs> All right. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll talk a little showy Otani on the other side. Come on back.
9: Pricing information, 800-915-9654,
2: 800-915-9654, 800-915-9654. That's
9: 800-915-9654. Do you have Medicare and do you use a CPAP machine? This is a national health care alert regarding your CPAP supplies. Using a clean CPAP mask and clean supplies is important to staying healthy.
0: It doesn't really matter.
19: I uh I don't like my job, and uh, I don't think I'm gonna go anymore.
11: Rick Tittle thinks there's a direct correlation between dogs and lightning.
4: Thank you for that. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast, border to border, and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. It's our pleasure to welcome to the show longtime sports writer Jeff Fletcher. He has a brand new book which uh, just came out this week called Showtime, the inside story of Shohei Otani and the greatest baseball season ever played this is available from diversion books first of all jeff i just want to say thanks for over the years when i was doing the a's pre and post game shows for eight and a half seasons many times i had you on as my pre-game guest so thanks for bailing me out
23: <laughs> sure no problem thanks for having me
4: <laughs> all right um Shohei Otani, Let's just start uh, at the beginning because we were we would we didn't think it was gonna be the Angels. How close was he going to a different team when he came over?
23: I mean, we really don't know how close. <clears throat> excuse me, the uh, the runner-up team was. Uh, I think that people probably didn't expect it would be the Angels at the beginning because uh, you know when any big star comes, I think people probably first think, oh, he's gonna go to the Yankees or the Red Sox or the Dodgers, but. When you really boiled down things, it, it ended up making sense to him. You know, an American League team was obviously better for him. The West Coast was obviously better for him. And it seems like he didn't really want to be in a, a big bubble, you know, like a, a New York kind of market or or even, you know, the Dodgers. And uh, he's got a pretty under-the-radar life with the Angels where he doesn't get bothered a lot by the media. And uh, It seems to have uh, worked out pretty well for him.
4: You know, when he first signed, when we were hearing, oh, he's you know, going to be like Babe Ruth, we thought, well, he'll go to a National League team and maybe he'll be like Baumgartner and hit home runs now and then. And so it was surprising. The American League team was like, what, is he going to play outfield and he's going to pitch and then he's going to DH? But he really has changed everything. I mean, the Giants just drafted this kid Crawford who they think, well, maybe he can be like Otani. I mean, he really has revolutionized the game now.
23: I mean, yes and no. I think teams are going to be a lot more open to to letting somebody try in the minor leagues, but in order to to do what Otani's done in the major leagues, I think it's still next to impossible just because, it, you know, you're going to have to have both of your skills as a hitter and pitcher kind of developing at the same rate because a team is not going to wait on your hitting if you're ready to be a pitcher in the big leagues or vice versa. So uh, that's why, you know, he went through all that in Japan where he kind of had to, you know, he wasn't really as good of a hitter as he was a pitcher. And so by the time he got to the major leagues, he was really ready to do both.
4: When you think about when he first came over, they were understandably so cautious with him, and he was handcuffed on pitch counts, and he needs to rest three days here and two days there. When they took the shackles off him, was that still like a a roll of the dice, or it was sort of like, what are we doing here? we got to let this guy be who he is. This is why we brought him here.
23: Yeah, I think that they, you know, they obviously were, were
3: well-intentioned
23: when they planned all this rest out for him at the beginning. They didn't know how to do it. There was no blueprint. And, you know, he still ended up getting hurt, and he still ended up not performing that well, you know, at times. So I think coming to 2021, you know, it was his fourth season. They said, all right, let's just forget all that. we got nothing to lose at this point. Let's just let him go and take the restrictions off and trust him that if he needs the rest, he will tell us, and we'll just see what happens. And, you know, what happened was, was pretty incredible, that uh, he did flourish by having the freedom to do everything, basically, and uh, he stayed healthy, and he performed pretty well for the entire season. He got a little bit fatigued at the end, but he still was, was you know, well above average at, at hitting and pitching the whole way, so uh, it, it worked out pretty well.
4: The other thing is, is the steals. And you would think like if he had like eight to 10 steals, that'd be pretty good. And then he has over 20. Is that the kind of thing where like, why should we not let him run when he's such a fast runner? Or we're so scared that when he slides, he's going to break his fingers. We just don't want to risk it.
23: Yeah, they don't really, uh, you know, the the stealing is a thing that he's He's got the speed, but I think he really needs to kind of learn when to pick his spots better and learn to read pitches better because he still gets thrown out a lot. So that's probably the one part of his game that that he probably needs to refine a little further. But, uh, you know, the Angels certainly don't, like, put the red light on him to prevent him from getting injured. They probably would like to have him not just get thrown out as much.
4: A couple more questions for Jeff Flesher in the new book, Showtime. I can only imagine the frustration from Artie Moreno and and Angels fans that here you have Trout and Otani, and they've tried to beef up the pitching. I remember a few years ago, Trevor Cahill was the opening day starter. They bring in Syndergaard, and yet they're watching Seattle catch fire. Houston is still good. The A's mailed it in. They weren't even trying. But, you know, even the Rangers right now are better than the Angels. And you think about how Seattle kind of threw away King Felix's career uh, what is that frustration like when you've got all these exciting players? They're spending money, and the Angels just can't get over five hundred.
23: Yeah, it is very uh, frustrating for Angels fans. I hear about it on Twitter every day, and even non-angels fans. You know, they want to see Trout and Otani in the postseason. So, you know, fans of the the Royals and the and the Red Sox and you know the Braves, they're like, man, what are the Angels doing? Why can't they be good? And the the problem is just basically their farm system. Their farm system has not been good for a really long time, and that doesn't get fixed overnight. And you can't just bandage it over with, uh, you know, free agents. So uh, it's going to take them a little time. But uh, they're they're trying.
4: By the way, I remember one uh, World Baseball Classic game in Phoenix, and Mike Trout was eating popcorn behind home plate with a smile on his face. And I'm like, what are we doing? It's our best American player. Why aren't we taking this more seriously? And then I guess today he says he is going to play next year, which I think is great news. And just as an aside, was that uh, were people demanding that he play, or did he just finally just kind of realize that it's a pretty cool thing to do?
23: Yeah, I mean, I think that there had been some frustration that he wasn't playing, but he was certainly not alone. I mean, there's lots
4: of big stars in the majors
23: who didn't play in the WBC. So, uh, you know, I don't think anybody was expecting this announcement that happened yesterday. He just came right out and said, I'm playing in the WBC, and I think that's a really cool thing. Uh, I personally like the WBC, I would like to see, like, all the best players from every country play in it and just really have, like, the absolute best players in this tournament. But, uh, you know, you're still going to lose a lot of guys just because they're worried about getting injured before the season. But but certainly having Mike Trout is a big uh, incentive to maybe some other guys to play, too.
4: Yeah, I'm a huge WBC fan. Um, When you talk about the Japanese media falling around Otani, because I remember when Hideki Matsui came over to Oakland, and he was on the downside of his career, but there were still about three or four people who were there 24-7, and there were some nights at the Coliseum where they looked bored out of their minds, and I almost felt sorry for (laughs) him. So So, what's it like with Otani as basically a a national hero? Yeah, there's
23: probably about 50 members of the Japanese media every day awesome. that are there, and that includes, you know, the photographers and the, the TV cameramen and, and all that, uh, but they pretty much follow him around, watch, you know, every time he steps on the field, they're there to take pictures of him, and they, they're hanging on everything that he does, basically, and it's a, it's a pretty different thing to be around.
4: And then, I guess, you know, with the, what is it, a 14-hour time difference, do people... Get up at the crack of dawn or stay up all night to to, to, to see show. Yeah, I guess they do, right?
23: Uh, it's sixteen hours. So when they play uh, like a seven p.m. West Coast game, that is uh, eleven a.m.
4: Oh, that's in, not too uh, bad, Japan.
23: So it's not too bad.
4: Yeah, yeah. and uh, you know it, it's interesting too with uh, Madden. You know, I, I you know as an Ace fan, I thought, oh, geez, now that the Angels have Madden, now they're finally gonna. Turn the corner. like what he did in Tampa. like what he did in Chicago. And of course, he had been Sosha's right hand man all those years. What, do, do we? Do you know what what happened? Why it just didn't work out? Was it just the the you know the losing streak, or was there something else going on?
23: Yeah, I mean, I think it's just when the, when the team loses, the manager gets fired. That's pretty much how baseball works. And uh, I don't think Madden did anything really wrong. Um, and I think you know, as far as Otani, I think he was a lot of the credit for Otani, you know, taking off the restrictions and what we already talked about, and I think making Otani as good as he was. But, you know, he couldn't go out there and pitch for the other guys. He couldn't keep Anthony Rendon healthy. He couldn't keep Mike Trout healthy. He couldn't make, you know, all these young players develop any better. So I think that, uh, you know, whoever was the manager, you know, was going to have the same frustrations.
4: How is Otani like? as a guy from from what you've seen? Because I remember, um, like, covering you, Darvish, you know, is very, very shy, but then Shoshi Shinjo at the Giants, he would wear blue sunglasses and act like a rock star. So what about Otani, the man?
23: Yeah, you know, he's he's pretty reserved in, like, interviews. Uh, you know, he doesn't really give a lot of his personality, but if you just watch him interacting with his teammates get on the field, he really is having a lot of fun, a lot of times, and he jokes around with people. And he does imitations of people, does imitations of swings. And uh, you know, there was a scene earlier this season where he was uh, slumping at the plate a little bit, so he started doing CPR on his bat in the dugout, and the cameras caught that, and everybody thought it was really funny. So he does have a sense of humor. He's he's pretty relaxed, and, and he just is having a good time doing what he's doing. And uh, I think that you know comes through if you watch him.
4: So the question is now um, I guess one more year of Otani under contract um, do you think he's going to look around and say I I don't think we can win here and maybe I need to get out or is he committed I mean is there any way of knowing if he'll stay with Anaheim long term because I'm sure they'll break the bank to keep him
23: Uh, Yeah I mean we don't really know like what his true honest inner thoughts are he doesn't really share those with us but I will say that Every player says they want to win, but not every player signs with the Dodgers and Yankees. So there are other things that matter to players. Uh, you know, you saw Bryce Harper sign with the Phillies, Manny Machado signed with the Padres. You know, the reason they signed with those teams is because they got a lot of money mm-hmm. and they liked the people and were comfortable in those environments. So certainly the Angels could give Otani a lot of money and he could just like the environment that he's in and like the people he's around and like where he lives, and that could be enough for him to stay. Or he could just, absolutely want to have the best chance to win the World Series, and then he's probably going to go elsewhere. So we just don't know, but I I really don't believe that that he would leave the Angels for lack of money. I think the Angels have lots of money, and he's good business, and I think that they would probably uh, pay him what it takes to keep him if he wants to stay.
4: Yeah, I agree. Just have about a minute left. What is the one thing that you found out about Otani when you wrote this book that you didn't realize until you did a little uh, more research?
23: Um, I think the kind of interesting thing is, uh, like, when he was he was growing up in Japan, how uh, committed he was right away to baseball, and he made this list of, like, all of his life's goals for baseball, and he had a very specific year-by-year, year, like, what year he was going to go to the major leagues, what year he was going to win a Young, when he was going to throw his first no-hitter, how much money he was going to make all this stuff, so he was just deeply committed to, to doing this even back then
4: Alright, there he is, it's Jeff Fletcher the author of Showtime uh, make sure that uh, you check it out, it is available now from Diversion Books Jeff, thanks for coming on and congratulations on the book
23: Alright, thanks for having me
4: Alright, uh, good stuff, yeah when you think about Shoei Otani making five and a half million dollars this year
3: Woo!
4: I'm Rick Tittle, come on back
1: In some cases, they have reduced a $50,000 tax bill to less than 1000 If you owe the IRS 5000 or more in back taxes, call now for a free consultation. Call 800-732-9635.
2: 800-732-9635. 800-732-9635.
8: That's 800-732-9635. I am a non-attorney spokesperson representing a team of lawyers who've helped people that have been injured or wronged. If you've had a revision or removal surgery of a hernia mesh implant after 2008, pay close attention to this message.
2: 800 817 2968 800 817 2968 800 817 2968. That's 800 817 2968. Do you love driving, but you don't love your car payment? Open Road Lending can reduce your car payment by as much as $100 a month or more. It's easy to refinance your car payment. Just call today to get your no-obligation quote and find out how much you can save. To qualify for a lower car payment, your car should be less than 10 years old, have less than 125,000 miles, and you've made at least six on-time payments. Call Open Road Lending today to learn how you can lower your rate and your payment by refinancing. It's easy, only takes a few minutes, and there's no cost or obligation to apply and get approved. Call today and see how much you can save, 800-871-9417, 800-871-9417, 800-871-9417, that's 800-871-9417. Terms and conditions apply. Financing is available with approved credit. See openroadlending.com for details. Uh, What kind of music do you usually have here?
20: Oh we got both kinds, we got country and western.
11: Tittle ate 200 chicken wings at your mama's house last night. Now back to Fat Boy.
4: All right. uh, Thank you for that. And uh, welcome back to the show. 1-800-878-PLAY is how you get in and how you're going to get hurt. I'm going to pop back over to the other studio if it's all right with you. I said if it's all right with you. The Pac-12 and the Big 12 were talking about merging. And now they said, nah, never mind. Uh, It was reported that they were discussing a full merger, pulling all their television rights. The only thing is, is that their television rights expire in different years. So the Big 12, apparently, were trying to get six Pac-12 schools. They wanted to add Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Utah, Oregon, and Washington. They're like, huh? I know. Meanwhile, uh, Notre Dame... Uh, is uh, talking about how uh, if anybody wants to even uh, talk to them, I mean they're they're targeting seventy five million dollar annual media rights, just as an independent. Once again, Notre Dame doesn't have to share with anybody. They get seventy five million dollars from NBC, and this is going to expire in twenty twenty five. So the Big Ten is supposed to announce a $1 billion media rights deal? I don't know. I, I, it's making my head spin. But once again, the Big 12 and the Pac-12, they both said, nah, forget it. Never mind. <laughs> All right. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll take a quick break. We'll come on back on the other side. And we got a mostly open hour outside of our ATN segment right at the top. So we'll see you in a second.
8: USA Radio
15: News with Lance Pride. With Maryland Governor Larry Hogan term limited, the contest to replace him has drawn the attention of former President Trump, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, even Oprah Winfrey is weighing in. Voters on Tuesday will choose nominees in statewide legislative and congressional races, also the pivotal governor's race. Hogan has endorsed former Labor and Commerce Secretary Kelly Schultz. Trump is back state legislator Dan Cox.
5: My campaign is to restore freedom to the free state. What's so wrong about that? Nothing.
15: Former Deputy National Security Advisor Matthew Pottinger will testify in person during Thursday's made-for-TV, mostly-partisan January 6 hearing. A judge in West Virginia has blocked authorities in the U.S. state from enforcing an abortion ban. A Kanawha County Circuit Court Judge Tara Salingo granted the Women's Health Center of West Virginia a preliminary injunction against the ban on Monday. USA Radio News.
16: Wendy Bell here for my friends at Swiss America. Did you know the U.S. Constitution authorizes only two forms of legitimate money, gold and silver? That's right. But our government abandoned gold and silver a half century ago. Meanwhile, gold and silver prices have rocketed in recent years due to growing economic uncertainty. So, to help my listeners, Swiss America has a very special offer today. Silver Walking Liberty Half Dollars at the amazingly low price of $12.50 each delivered. You heard me right. $12.50. Call now to reserve your silver coins at 800 630 three4 1490. That's 800-630-1490. Silver Walking Liberty Half Dollars for just $12.50 each delivered while supplies last. Put a silver lining in your financial portfolio now by calling 800-630-1490. 800-630-1490.
15: Iran has no respect for President Biden, snubbing him as they continue to develop their first nuclear bomb.
17: Iran can build a nuclear bomb if it wants. That's what a senior advisor to the Supreme Leader told Al Jazeera on Sunday. This as the Biden administration has been trying to work with Iran on an agreement to restrict Iran's nuclear program in exchange for sanctions relief. Officials say the deal is basically finished.
18: It's up to uh, Iran to see whether they're going to take it or not. We're going to continue to make sure we have the capability and the capacity in the region, military and otherwise, to deal with their destabilizing activities.
17: National Security Council Coordinator John Kirby speaking there on Fox News. From the USA Radio News Phoenix Bureau, I'm Tim Berg.
15: After nearly destroying last season's All-Star game based on fake election laws in Georgia, Major League Baseball is hoping you'll watch tonight's All-Star game at Dodger Stadium in Los Angeles, California. USA Radio News. Senator Joe Manchin, the Democrat from West Virginia, has blocked a push by the Biden administration and Democrats for another trillion-dollar spending bill that will make inflation even worse. Senator Marsha Blackburn applauds Manchin's stance on Newsmax.
20: Biden just cannot spend enough money. He continues to push. What he is trying to spend now he spent four trillion dollars on covid and he's wanting to add another trillion to it and rob every economist around says the spending needs to stop because it along with energy are the primary drivers of inflation. Well, we know that it is not a good idea. We know that this is going to continue to drive up inflation. People that I talk with say 9.1%. They're not looking at the things we spend our money on. When you go to the grocery store, when you go to fill up the tank, you have your prices through the roof.
15: Former Vice President Mike Pence is backing Karen Taylor Robson in Arizona's Republican gubernatorial primary. Going against former President Trump's endorsement, Pence is expected to campaign with Robson, a housing developer, on Friday. And that's the same day that Trump is set to hold a rally for former TV news anchor Carrie Lake and her Arizona gubernatorial run. The winner of the August 2nd Republican primary will likely become the state's next governor. Lance Pry, USA Radio News.
4: All right, thank you for that, and welcome back to the show. Sergio Garcia, remember when he said, I can't wait to get off this tour, about the PGA Tour, and join Live Golf? Well, he still was on the European Tour, the European Circuit. Um, it's actually official name is the DP World Tour, but now he's quitting that as well because he says he isn't feeling loved. And after the British Open, he says that he's just going to quit playing on the home circuit. He already resigned from the PGA Tour. This means he's ineligible for any future Ryder Cups, but he is 37 years old. He told ESPN, quote, I am quite clear about what I am going to do with the European circuit. Probably leave it. I want to play where I feel loved. And right now on the European Tour, I am not feeling loved. Gosh, sorry. He continues... I am very happy with what I have achieved, and I'm going to try to enjoy it. I will play less and spend more times at f- at home. So, remember, he won the Masters in 2017. That was his uh, only one. But he said, if I cannot play any more majors, well, then that's the way it is. It's not something that bothers me a lot. I am feeling sad because of the Ryder Cup, but right now, the way I am playing, I won't be selected. Well, that's true. He said, when Thomas Bjorn, former Ryder Cup captain, came to me at the BMW Championship and told us, we don't love any of you, and all players say so, I already have an age and had enough suffering to be enduring nonsense like that, and that's not pretty. I have given more than half my life to the European Tour, and I wanted to continue playing it, but I'm not going to be where they don't want me. It's very sad to receive such treatment for a personal and professional decision. I feel sorry for the Ryder Cup. My resignation is not official, but I'm going to make it effective. I have what I have, and I am very happy with it, and I want to enjoy it to the fullest. Sounds like you're not enjoying anything. What are you enjoying? Sounds like you're po'd all the time. Look, you're a millionaire. You're on Live Golf Tour. Just have some fun. All right. (laughs) I'm Rick Tittle. We'll talk to uh, Joe Madden on the other side. Come on back.
14: reading the books at their own game visit against the number.com that's against the number.com
5: titillating sports with rick tittle rick tittle is a genius the best show ever he's so wonderful genius the best show ever he's so wonderful titillating sports with rick tittle rick tittle is a he's so handsome he's a genius
4: all right thank you for that welcome back to the show rick tittle with the coast to coast border to border and around the world on the american forces radio network uh it is uh, 12 after the hour that's Time We check in with one of the betting analysts over at AgainstTheNumber.com, which is a highly skilled team of premium sports handicappers focused on one thing and one thing only, beating the sports books at their own game. They cover every sport worldwide, from the NFL to college basketball to soccer to cricket to tennis to European hockey, and all of them are proven winners. They offer full season, end of current season, one month, one week, one day, and one year. Specialist-specific packages, their prices are reasonable, their tracking and distribution process is simple and the results are real. Joining us once again uh, from um, com is sports betting analyst Joe Madden. And uh, Joe, welcome back to the show. I, I was just wondering, when you hear headlines like Joe Madden got fired today, does that just give you a little kind of punch in the stomach?
2: No,
21: it actually makes me laugh because there's a (laughs) lot of Joe Madden's out there, and I'm like, okay, I'm pretty sure that wasn't me. There was no tequila last night, so it didn't
3: happen.
4: All right, so how do you, when you look at the All-Star game and the the AL has won eight in a row, but now there's a DH in both spots, but it it seems, seems like... Seven of the last eight games, you take the under because the pitching is so dominant and you only get to see guys for an inning and everybody's throwing gas. It just seems like it's harder to score runs. So how do you break down the All-Star game?
21: Yeah, absolutely. This is going to be a really interesting game today, and I really do think the American League pulls it out again, and I'm looking to sprinkle on that run line as well because we're getting beautiful plus money. They've covered that run line. In six of those eight wins. And so at plus 165, definitely worth a shot there. But I hear you on this under. The under has been so strong with over the last 15 hitting that under. And at seven and a half, I do think we got to go under on it. And I think the first five. Now, you got to shop your lines on that first five because some books are highly juiced at um, under four and a half, but if you can get that under four, you can get it around the minus 118, minus 120 mark for that first five, and I do like it there as well.
4: Hmm. How about MVP? Where are you leaning?
21: Oh, you know what? I really don't have an MVP for this one. I find MVP is just so hard to hit. It's kind of like throwing a pebble into a thumb and hoping um, that you hit something in there. (laughs) So I'm going to stay off MVP for today. Um, I just like to put my money where I think the best value is, and I definitely think that is on the under in that run line, that for the American League.
4: So as, you know, baseball season is, to me, the most fascinating because, you know, you don't have to chew on a loss uh, for a week like you do in the NFL. So now that you get an all-star break, do you kind of reset Uh, as we kind of see who the pretenders to the throne are and some of the emerging teams that we weren't expecting. How do you kind of like reset things for the second half with your analyses?
21: Yeah, absolutely. You have to look at some of these teams. And um, over the years, some of these teams, after coming back from the All-Star break, do struggle coming into that. So that is one thing that I look at. There's other teams like my Toronto Blue Jays that really have to get things moving. They have no time right now. They're sitting in third place in the East with uh, 50 wins and 43 losses. They've really got to get things going if they want to compete against the New York Yankees. Coming in here so hot right now with 64 wins and only those 28 losses. And they are the team in the American League East with two beat right now. So looking at those other guys that really need to get things going that aren't sitting in that later spot that can't come back into these first couple of games with any um, any room um, to make mistakes. So looking at those underdogs in these situations.
4: So also as we look to the NBA offseason and we look at some of the, the movements that's around and some of the rumors uh, as well with KD and Kyrie and the – the, the Nets maybe having to reset. How do you uh, sort of uh, gear yourself up for hoop now that with the Las Vegas Summer Leagues and everything else, it's a 24-hour-a-day uh, sport now?
21: Yeah, things are going absolutely crazy. I have to say, this is like one of the craziest NBA free agencies that I have seen. Um, I can't believe what is happening with Kevin Durant and where he's going to go that is the biggest question mark for everyone right now i was really hoping he'd go to the raptors but they want scotty barnes for him so right now i'm just you know i'm following the summer league a little bit i really don't dive too big into the summer league it's i don't know if we get the best um best play out of the athletes in the summer league i don't know your thoughts on that but I kind of focus more on baseball at this part of the season. And, of course, we are right around the corner from football season starting. So it's an exciting time of year this end of July as we roll into August.
4: When you look, uh, obviously, as you were talking about, the Yankees, who are so good that the three teams behind them are all more than 10 games, more than 13 games back at least, and they all could be wild cards. Um, I don't know how much love – Minnesota gets, who will probably win the Central, although the the Indians, sorry, the Guardians and the White Sox are hot on their tails. And then what about the Mariners who have won 14 straight, still way back behind Houston? Do you see the Mariners continuing their hot streak in the second half or cooling off?
21: You know what? I really do think they will cool off going into the second half of this season. It is a hard division in the West there um, with the Houston Astros for them to compete against. I can't see them catching up on them. There's are still eight wins behind them right now, sitting 51-42. and 42. Houston Astros rolling in here at 59-32. and 32. I really think the Astros are the better team. I think they will take um, the American League West, but Seattle, I think we're going to see them rolling into the second half, losing a couple for sure.
4: And then, you know, when I talk about the the National League, you got the, the Mets and uh, they sort of seem to be the class along with the Dodgers, but the the Padres, now that they have a real manager and, and Bob Melvin are something to talk about. Do you think that um, Juan Soto uh, sticking in the National League, is going to get dealt uh, now that he's turned down $440 million, or do you think they hold on to him for a couple more years and see what happens? Because he was saying at the All-Star game that uh, he goes, I thought they were holding on to me. It doesn't seem like he's demanding it. It just seems like Scott Boris doesn't want him to sign that deal.
21: Yeah, it's a tricky one there. I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen with it. I think they probably do hold on to him, but – I don't know. It just seems really, really iffy what is happening with that right now.
4: And then uh,
21: I'm I'm mm -hmm. looking. Go ahead.
4: No, go ahead, Joe.
21: Oh, I was just going to say, you know, I'm looking at the San Diego Padres and the San Francisco Giants. And I think between those two, we're going to see both of these teams really stepping up in the second half. I could see both of these teams catching up with the Dodgers. I think we've seen the Dodgers really hot in this first half. I think this is a team that's going to kind of sit back a little going into the second half, thinking they've got, you know, eight wins over the Padres, they've got 12 over the Giants. The Padres and the Giants aren't teams to sleep on, so it should be a really interesting National League West run here.
4: So what would be either league, what would be your sleeper team that maybe they're at 500 or below, but you say maybe a dark horse here we're looking at?
21: Well, I definitely think you've got to not count out the San Francisco Giants. They're just at uh, 527 here. But for a dark horse, you know, I really do um, like how the Chicago White Sox can play in certain situations. They're kind of one of those teams where they come out and they really do surprise you. My Toronto Blue Jays have been absolutely struggling in that first half. And um, we know how strong offensively they are. They just haven't been able to get things going in a lot of these games. They can't beat the teams that they should beat. The easy teams, they are. Sleeping on and they're getting schooled and they're coming out against the stronger teams and able to get the win, except for those Yankees. But I think the Boston Red Sox, when we look at the Boston Red Sox, they're floating right around 500. Um, They're a strong team sitting 48 and only 45 on the season. They are a team that I think, even though the American league East is so strong um, are going to really step up in the second half. And I can see them battling for sure.
4: There she is, Joe Madden. Follow her on Twitter at Joe Madden Sports. That's J O Madden, E N Sports. And of course, at AgainstTheNumber.com. Joe, good stuff. Have a good All Star break. Have a wonderful
21: day. Thank
4: you so much. All right. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back on Sports Violin.
18: Call Pharmacy Shop 24-7 to get generic versions of Viagra or Cialis for as little as $2 a pill, plus free discreet shipping.
2: 800-709-4409. 800-709-4409. 800-709-4409. That's 800-709-4409.
21: No offense, but are you a little fat when you look in the mirror?
2: Call New American Funding now and see how much cash out you can get. Call 800-209-6124. 800-209-6124. 800-209-6124. That's 800-209-6124. NMLS 6606. WWW.NMLSConsumerAccess.org. This is not an offer or commitment to lend. Subject to borrower and property qualifications. Not all borrowers will qualify. Terms and conditions apply. Equal housing opportunity.
17: Teams have four attempts to move the ball 10 yards. So if you see a graphic on your screen that says first and 10, that means it's the team's first attempt to get 10 yards.
11: crazy use a D.O.G. and if you was my man i would have been kicked you out of my house by now this is what had happened
4: all right hey thank you for that we got open lines the rest of the way let's go to oakland with chris how you doing chris
11: hey rick thanks very much for uh,
24: taking my call as always man great day um, I, I really liked your last guest man you said joe madden was coming on i thought i was ready, getting ready to talk angels cubs mm-hmm. uh rays uh baseball but she she knew her stuff um but she was. It's interesting for as a gambler, she was real kind of a homer though. She was really pushing her Canadian teams. I didn't hear you guys talk Canadian hockey though. What's been ninety? What since ninety four since someone's won the uh, hoisted the cup from Canada. So um, and I have a family in Canada, so we love Canada. Uh, but it was just kind of interesting on that. Um, I you know the the, the, the Paul Blackford thing you mentioned earlier and about how he got the. But what were they supposed to do? Right, they only have one guy, and he's marginal. Out, you know, all star at best. Were they supposed to? He supposed to just you know charter a, a jet to, to, to L.A., or, or you just think it's just a bad look and typical A's it, fashion?
4: It, yeah, and if he was leaving a place where there wasn't already a jet going, it wouldn't have been a big story. I agree with you, but when he says, wow, I got a free ride from them, and what a great organization they are, they actually, you know, it's not like the A's could have sent him a private plane, um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, it's not a big deal, but when it comes out, it looks, it just doesn't look good.
24: Well, you know, and then I, you know, he's, again, he's, I mean, you're from Richmond, Rick, I'm going to ask you this, but let me say this first. So, he says he grew up a Giants fan, being from, you know, Annie, born in I grew up in Brentwood, I mm-hmm. get, you know, I, why are so many East Bay fans Giants fans? Number one, all my cousins grew up in Lafayette, you know, very affluent community. They're all Giants fans. They hate the A's. Well, they don't hate the A's, but they're just like, yeah, we're not A's fans. And it's just, and you can't find an A's fan to save your life on the Peninsula. So I don't know. We're just, you know, everything else, we're just, we're just allowed that. But but he says, you know, hey, I grew up a Giants fan. I wanted to talk to Dusty, and I guess Dusty was sleeping or something like that. But. You know, in that sense, I mean, you know, if I grew up a Giants fan, you know, Dusty was, you know, running things in 2002. He takes the ball from Russ Ortiz, and ha you know. I, as an Ace fan, I loved it, but, uh, you know, as a Giants fan, it did be terrible. So I, I get that part. You know, I hear you. It just looks like a, it's just a bad look, and just we just look at a bunch of like, cheap organization and, you know, continuing well, that. It, so, the,
4: the Giants were here for 10 years, and they got a, they just had that foothold, and the – Kids get brainwashed, and then they brainwash their kids, and so all the way down. So it's mostly because the Giants had that 10-year head start that I believe. And, of course, San Francisco is a bigger town, so I just believe that's why there are more Giants fans.
24: Okay, so I would agree with you. My dad graduated 62 from high school. You know, he was a Giants fan up until the A's moved out. and you know, He mm-hmm. you know, went to Bishop out. right? He's so, an Oakland guy. Until they came out, 68. so I would agree with you mostly. But I do think it's a bigger issue in terms of, you know, San Francisco's the bigger city. People don't like Oakland. And so most people, you're going to pick a team. You're not, like, diehard. You know, again, man, it's hard to argue the guys in right field that go every game. And, you know, Will and you know, Jorge and all those guys that just sit out there. And It's hard to argue that. But we're very small and few in between, and the Giants are just, you know, filling up. So I, I think I would agree with your latter statement. I mean, I get it. They were here 10 years before I get that. But I, I would agree with the latter statement that San Francisco people identify more of that. And Oakland is just, you know, they're not going to. They're not going to get into it. So anyway, so all-star game tonight, I'm going to, you know, I, I, again, I told you previously that I like the fact that there are, um, that there are, uh, what am I trying to say, that there are p- people from every team. So that, that's the only reason I watch. If, if Blackmore wasn't in there, he probably wouldn't even get in the game. But if he wasn't even on the squad, I, I, know, I, I know I wouldn't watch tonight. But it's a good thing to get in there. And it is the only all-star game out of the four. The four major ones that are in there. So, want to finish with this? <laughs> I really enjoyed watching the Open uh, this weekend. I I never watched as much golf as I did this weekend. It was pretty exciting, but I also see how the Live Tour is getting people um, really upset. You know, but I I, I don't know. Man, I, I think I mean it's not good for the PGA. But at the same time, you're not gonna as a as an institution, you're not gonna want somebody to come in that's legitimate. You know, and people, and when we're talking all the human rights, civil, you know, violations from the Saudis and this and that and the other thing. And you know, my mother's Arabic, so I I can kind of speak on that. I liked uh, Golda Meir. I think was she the first president of Israel or second? When she said that uh, Moses led them to the one spot in the Middle East without oil, so you know that's uh, you know they didn't get that from there. But anyway, so I just, again, I, I, I get it. You know, I I don't know if if somebody threw. I mean, I guess they just Cameron Smith with his great mullet. You know, they they offered him 90 million. That'd be pretty hard to pass up, man. As much as to stay in PGA and try with some more championships, that'd be pretty hard to pass up. What about you, uh, Rick? If they, if uh, the Live Tour said, "Hey, we want to start a new sports talk show. We're going to give you a bunch of money." Would you, uh, would you abandon uh, Oakland or, or, or yeah, and take the money? Yeah, would you take the money,
4: Rick. Of course, yeah.
24: <laughs> well,
4: here's the thing. I had Ron Kroychik on last week. He's the golf writer with the Chronicle, right, and right, he right. Great. Yeah. and I asked him the same question. He said, "Well, if I already made." 50 million, then he goes, I would like to think that I would say no to 150 million. But um, the, the thing I would do is I, I, I would take the money and I would just be honest about it. And I wouldn't make excuses right. for a Khashoggi murder right. or executing gay people right. and making women right. treating women like right. dogs. I yeah. would just say, Hey, I'm here for the cash and I'm going to set up a charity. Uh, for you know, Muslim Americans or whatever yeah. I do, I would try to make it look like I was giving back, but of course I'd take the money.
24: Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, Lefty said, you know, hey, it's, he's trying to expand the game, and you know, they're not even really like necessarily playing the games in the Middle East are just, I mean, their matches, whatever the the, the courses are. I mean, I guess a couple are in Saudi Arabia, but most of them are like, you know, they had one in Portland, and they're, they're doing it in England and you know, Europe and stuff like that. I, I you know, I, I know you had your your take on Sergio Garcia, and I get it, you know. I, I, None of us want to have you know ill will with our our coworkers and stuff like that, but yeah, man, you're taking the money. I, you know, I guess you got to you got to own it, man. You got to you, you're gonna take the money. Everybody knows the money grab. You know, you got to own up to it. And you know, if you're the PGA, it's fine now, but down the line, I mean, if they got this much money rolling in, they're gonna either a have to increase their purses or b they're gonna. I mean, I don't know. I mean. Great, they're, they're majors, but what if the Live Tour makes majors too, right? And they make their own majors, and then people start playing there more. So right, I, but they I'm, the I'm I'm doing everything I can to stop this.
4: Right. The only thing is, like, I don't like golf enough to just see guys golf, and that's what happens when you go on the Live Tour because it doesn't matter if you win or lose because you're still getting paid. Yeah. So they'll they'll have it just because they're competitors, um, but there's no. There's no like, you know, that's what they say about um, I remember talking to a buddy of mine who loved golf and he goes, "This us think you have this putt. And with this next putt, you're going to win the Masters or you're going to choke and you're going to throw away. These guys will never have that pressure. And so winning will be like, yeah, I won and I got an extra five mil or whatever. That's great. But to me, I just I don't like golf enough just to watch guys golf with nothing at stake.
24: So you know and, and and again I've never really watched anything other than a major so maybe I would agree with you and I don't golf I my golf game's horrible so I don't golf enough to really be into it and so to see that I you know I mean yeah I yeah I guess they're not fully lined up to have something you know again a major on the line and and Rory just Rory didn't choke he just Cameron Smith was better, man. He just was hitting those putts that Rory wasn't hitting, and it just—I mean, Rory didn't Rory didn't bogey anything, right? He he had all par and a couple of eagles that final round, but he just the other guy just came back and and beat him. So, yeah, I guess I guess it is, and I don't really talk enough golf or know enough golf to really have a really intelligent conversation. But it's just to me it seems that so you so one last thing then, do you think that this would be like a USFL type thing, like? It's just going to be kind of a short-term deal, and just
4: no. You know,
24: I, I to a second. No, I or. think
4: it's here to stay. They have inexhaustible amounts of money. It's not like these XFL and USFL owners, you know, going broke. Remember that Alliance of American Football? It was all owned by I think the that one hockey owner that owned the Hurricanes or whatever, right. and, and he pulled right, it
3: right, right, right. <laughs> midway, midway, through the season, it's just like he pulled the
24: thing, and then you know, I, again, I you know, everybody likes to bag on our former president Trump, and. He kind of did screw
4: up the USFL, Of huh? course he he's, did. Kinda, yeah, yeah a stupid <laughs> jackass. Yeah, but that's just it. They don't have to worry about that. They have an inexhaustible core of money. So, no, I think it's here to stay. And um, But, you know, um, like I said, I think it, you might be curious to watch it if you're a golf fan. And And if they get absolutely everyone and it's just no names on the PGA Tour, then, yeah, I guess they would be more of a success. But as I said... You know, if if you go to a baseball game and if you lose, you're just you're still going to make hella money, and you don't really care if you win. I mean, is that fun?
24: Well, our, 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 Rick, our team is doing that right now.
4: Uh-huh. <laughs> I know that's why I've been All to right, three well, hey, man, games. I
3: got,
24: I'm still holding it. Every time I call you, man, I got hold out. I'm holding out hope now. My my position has shifted on the uh, new A Stadium. I think we're gonna, with Mayor Shaft, you know, getting out of office, and she wants to get shovels in the ground, and we win those two votes, and. You know, it's uh, yeah,
8: man. I think yeah. it might. I think it might happen.
4: But, I, I I think when the A's are in their third season in Vegas, we'll still be <laughs> we'll still be voting on the Howard Terminal and save the pigeons. will have their vote. <laughs> All right, Chris. Thanks for the call, man. <laughs> thanks, as
9: always, Rick, have a great day, man. Go A's.
4: Right, and I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back.
9: Who's watching? Tell me who's watching?
3: Who's watching me?
22: Something you probably do know. Progressive can not only offer you a great price when you bundle home and auto, they offer you round the clock protection. Something you probably don't know. A driveway basketball hoop, including the base, weighs around 400 pounds. Something you probably do know. There's a windstorm coming. Something you probably don't know. A basketball hoop tipping over can poke a hole in a car roof like a can opener bundle your home and auto with progressive and get more than a great price get round the clock protection something you know for the things you don't know coverage from progressive casualty insurance company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms bundle discount not available in all states or situations
13: Iconic guitarist Eric Clapton's lifelong passion for the blues burns brightly in a new film and soundtrack release entitled Nothing But The Blues. The documentary film, which was nominated for an Emmy Award, has been upgraded to 4K for its long-awaited official Blu-ray and DVD release. The new soundtrack album features all of the music from the 1995 film and also includes more than an hour of previously unreleased live performances. Eric spoke about his lifelong love and respect for the blues. It's almost like
14: I'm just leaving John Mayle now and I'm producing my own blues band. And it's taken me 30 years of meandering around the back streets to get there. I just always felt very afraid of being true to myself. And I think that's quite normal in a way. I think everybody is. I'm not unique in that. But right now, I want, I want to do it. And uh, I, don't, I, I have this funny feeling that I don't know how long it'll last. And it may be that I'll just stay here. Maybe that's all right. Maybe it's all right for me just to stay doing this because it's what I do best.
13: That's iconic guitarist Eric Clapton, whose long-awaited documentary film and music soundtrack, Nothing But The Blues, will be released on multiple formats on June 24th. Order now at ericclapton.com.
1: I'm sorry. It's the, it's the pleats.
17: It's, a, it's actually an optical illusion. It's the pattern on the pants. The, it's not fla- flattering in the, the crotchal region. I'm actually taking them back right now. Taking them back to the, the pants store.
4: You know, that song is recognized officially as the first punk song ever on mainstream radio. I'd like to talk about it for the next five hours. 1-800-878-PLAY. You know, as we begin the second half and we got the trade deadline coming up for August 2nd instead of July 31st. And business is going to start picking up after the break. But if you look at some of the trades, waiver claims, under-the-radar type of stuff, we never know how it's going to work out until we actually start playing. And there are a few of these guys who have really made a difference. And one of them is Mr. Trevino. Rick, I thought you hated him. No, no, Jose Trevino, the catcher with the Yankees. They got him, right before opening day, from the Rangers for a couple of minor league pitchers, one of whom, Albert Abreu, that the Rangers cut, and they got him back. The other guy's named Robbie Alstrom. Well, the Rangers had traded for Mitch Garver and the former A's catcher, Jonah Haim, as the backup, and... Heim is basically their starting catcher now. I always liked Jonah Heim. It's too bad he didn't work out here. He was a guy who was being blocked by Sean Murphy. But Trevino <clears throat> was a guy who was known as just a glove. Um, you know, he only had nine career home runs. But leapfrogging Kyle Higa-Shioka on the depth chart. And he's now an all-star. Well, what changed? Well, he's hitting the ball. and It's funny. The stats say a mile per hour harder. Okay. It's where he is hitting it because all he used to do was just pull and hit fly balls. <clears throat> and now he's going the other way and hitting line drives and whether or not he can sustain this level of production is irrelevant because he's already given the Yankees way more than they even expected. And they have some additional help in the form of Ben Rortvet, another spring training acquisition who has not played in the majors this season because of injury, so good under-the-radar move. <clears throat> How about C.O.N.L. Perez? Colonel Perez. C.O.N.L. Perez, a left-handed pitcher, and he was an undersized pitching prospect with the Astros. He was always hurt. Got shipped off to Cincinnati in a under the radar trade. Threw a couple innings for the Reds last year. Walked twenty batters and got cut. And so the Orioles, who stunk, picked him up. And since then, his ERA out of the bullpen is zero point nine zero and a 2-4-5 strikeout-to-walk ratio, and that's in 30 innings. Mid-to-uppers, 90s fastball, a low 80s slider, and this really benefits him because he's a little guy, and his ground ball, ground ball rate is over 50%. Who would have thought it? No one, probably not even the guy himself, C.O. Uh, I look at Harold Ramirez with the Rays. He's like their Ben Zobris guy, outfield, first base, DH. And the Rays had their hands on him twice in 2021. And so it wasn't overly notable when they traded a minor league infielder for him again. And since then, he's played in 74 games and has hit three thirty two. He comes from the Yandi Diaz school of hitting, which is to say he's just a pure contact hitter. And he doesn't have a lot of power because he doesn't have that launch angle. But he has contributed against lefties and righties alike, and especially lefties. In 79 PAs against lefties, he's hitting 371 with 8 walks and only nine K's. So sometimes you draft well and you got to get lucky like they did with the Padres. I look at Jorge Alfaro, the catcher and AJ Preller, the general manager there of course was the guy with the Rangers. And so that's why he likes to bring in former Rangers like jerks and Profar and Nomar Mazara and guys like Jorge Alfaro. And they bought Alfaro from the Marlins. <clears throat> That's just basically trading for cash considerations. I always like that, considerations. I'm going to be really considerate and throw this into the um, <laughs> the collection tray. But he has hit uh, 268 with six home runs. He's got a really good arm. He's very fast as a runner for a catcher. And look, he still has a lot of strikeouts. I'm not saying these guys are setting the world on fire. I'm just saying a nothing trade that probably didn't even, you didn't even notice, right? Are now contributing. And one more, and this is one of my favorite names. Think about how good the Dodgers are in their farm system. And then they pay top dollar for free agents. Remember, the Dodgers were able to rent. Manny Machado and not burn down their farm system. It's pretty astounding that they have savvy front office executives and then unlimited funds with a big checkbook. But think about Yensi Almonte. This is a guy who was four years in the Rockies bullpen. And in those four years, his ERA in Colorado, 5'30. And so the Rockies cut him. The diner the diners, the Dodgers put him in a diner, said order the bacon and eggs, chicken fried steak. And so they signed him to a minor league deal. And since then he has emerged as a huge part of the bullpen, one four six ERA and an even three KBB ratio. Now in the Rockies defense, the Dodgers helped Almonte overhaul his pitches. They told him, this is why you got to have good coaches. This is the things I wouldn't think of. They told him, ditch your four-seamer and go to a two-seamer. And they said, throw away your slider and go to a sweeper. And ratchet that up. And so now he throws the sweeper more than half the time. And so this one-two punch has allowed him to coerce an average exit velocity of 82 miles per hour, which is the second lowest in all of baseball. So he is a perfect example of a player needing to find the right system. You know what I mean? They have to find a place where they can take advantage of him. Or they could just say, it's not that he was coached incorrectly. I don't want to say the Rockies did that. <clears throat> but yet on the other hand, you know, they could <clears throat> just say, well, we, we've, got, we've got more plans for you. You know, it's like Tim Wakefield. He was a first baseman in the Pirates organization, and he wasn't hitting. And then he said, maybe I'll try a knuckleball. It can happen. All right, I also heard um, today that the Cubs made a notable selection in the eighth round of the draft yesterday, choosing a right-handed pitcher from Capistrano Valley High School out here in California named Mason McGuire. And Mason McGuire is the son of Mark McGuire. <clears throat> now, I remember when Mark McGuire went to his first ever All Star game, which was in Oakland, he held up his batting glove and he wrote in Sharpie, Hi, Matthew. And for a lot of times, his son Matthew was his ball boy. So that kid has got to be like 30 something by now. But this um, Mason is six foot four. His fastball is 92, and um, he has committed to the University of Oklahoma. And, of course, his dad hit 583 home runs and, um, of course, uh, made 12 All-Star games and, of course, served as the all-time single-season home run king at 70 in 1998. Which a lot of people forget. But this draft has been full of legacy players. We talked about the top overall pick, the very interesting. I don't want to say anything about how he looks. But anyway, Jackson Holiday, the son of Matt Holiday, was the number one guy. Drew Jones, son of Andrew Jones, top 10 pick. Justin Crawford with the Phils, the son of Carl Crawford. <clears throat> um, and then Luke Collier, um, uh, his son, Cam. And um, and then Dayton Moore's son, of course, he came from Atlanta and has been running the Royals a long time. His son Robert was drafted by the uh, the Brewers. The Cubs have made a habit out of uh, selecting pitchers in this draft because they uh, their first nine picks, eight, were pitchers. And their first-round pick, Cade Horton, was a guy who had had some injuries and had good value for his spot. But uh, their second-round pick, Jackson Ferris, a uh, – high school pitcher as well but uh, anyway we got the rest of the draft going on right now we'll come on back we'll talk some sports on the other side I'm Rick Tittle
9: Pricing information, 800-915-9654,
2: 800-915-9654, 800-915-9654, that's 800-915-9654. Do you love driving, but you don't love your car payment? Open Road Lending can reduce your car payment by as much as $100 a month or more. It's easy to refinance your car payment. Just call today to get your no obligation quote and find out how much you can save. To qualify for a lower car payment, your car should be less than 10 years old, have less than 125,000 miles, and you've made at least six on time payments. Call Open Road Lending today to learn how you can lower your rate and your payment by refinancing. It's easy, only takes a few minutes, and there's no cost or obligation to apply and get approved. Call today and see how much you can save. 800. that's 800-871-9417. Terms and conditions apply. Financing is available with approved credit. See openroadlending.com for details.
9: When do broadcasters go
24: too far? Where does hilarity stop and vulgarity begin?
19: Fans back in. I knew you couldn't stop this rap. No MC could rock like that. In the new style gang, the bass got deeper. He gave up the mic and bought you a beeper. Do you want to rap or sell?
11: Don't ask Rick Tittle to bring it, because it already done got brought.
4: It gotten in, brought in. If you want to call, you better hurry up. We've got a couple minutes left. One eight hundred eighty seven eight play. Also, uh on Sunday. The Tigers announced that Spencer Torkelson got sent down to the minors, option of AAA. Toledo there. And this, uh, of course, demotion continues a trend of disappointment for Torkelson. This is a guy who I root for because he's from Petaluma, and he went to Arizona State. He was the number one overall pick. He made the opening day roster, but... He hit 197 in 83 games with five home runs. He struck out more than 25% of his plate appearances. And probably more concerning is that Torkelson is just not driving the ball at all. Um, He doesn't hit the ball very hard. He's only 22 years old. He was the eighth overall prospect before the season began. And at the time, R.J. Anderson wrote... Torkelson, the number one overall pick in 2020, soared all the way to AAA in his first professional season. Overall, he performed as you would expect someone with cleanup hitter aspirations to batting 267 with 30 home runs and a 14.5% walk rate. He's often been compared to Andrew Vaughn of the White Sox, former Cal Bear there, because of their similar profiles. Each has big raw strength and a feel for hitting as well as the intelligence to make adjustments as needed. The Tigers announced Torkelson as a third baseman on draft day, and they've continued to cross-train him at both corner infield positions. Scouts still expect him to end up at first base, however. With the Tigers gearing up to compete in 2022, odds are Torkelson will debut early in the year. It is worth noting that Andrew Vaughn, uh, didn't have a good rookie year last year, so it's not like saying he's a bust. It's not saying give up on him, but it is a completely different world. And I remember at uh, Rayleigh Field, which is now called Sutter Health Park, I was trying to talk to Michael Taylor, Jamal Weeks, and I saw Josh Donaldson, like the A's ninth-string catcher, sitting in the dugout, and I went and had a long conversation with him and. He was very sincere, and at the time, he had been called up to the A's for three games. It was, ironically, in Toronto, and he hit a home run, and I think he made outs all the other times. And he said, and he still was a full-time catcher. Him playing the infield was out of the question. They only do that because Brandon Inge's arm fell out, practically. But he said, when I was in high school, hitting was easy. When I was at Auburn, hitting SEC pitching was no big deal. Uh, A ball... Double A, triple A, all easy. When I got to the bigs, oh my gosh, it was completely different. Now, we always hear that the jump from A ball to double A is the biggest hurdle, but why wouldn't it be triple A to the bigs, you know? I've been doing a triple A game recently, and um, I saw a couple of guys who'd been in the bigs, you know, Sensatella uh, for the Isotopes, the Colorado system, but... You know, why wouldn't it be a huge transition? But anyway, Spencer Torkelson, I'm sorry he got sent down, but uh, hoping that the local kid comes back soon. We'll see you soon tomorrow at 9 a.m. Pacific time right here on Byline.